there's a new name for Toyota in Lanarkshire. From one of the UK's biggest names in motor retail. Macklin Motors Toyota is now open in Hamilton. We're bringing you everything Toyota backed by first-class service. So come and view the stunning new Toyota range, all with up to 10 years warranty. Including the Igo Cross and the new Yaris Cross compact SUV. See our great choice of approved used Toyotas. Our formidable range of commercial vehicles, including the Hilux. Get expert servicing from our manufacturer-trained technicians. And specialist advice from our Motability team. Macklin Motors Toyota is open now at Whistlebury Road, Hamilton. The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.com, representing some of the biggest motoring manufacturers across Scotland. Let's go! Good evening and welcome to the programme. We just couldn't wait to get started this evening. There's so much to talk about after the derby yesterday. Rangers 2, Celtic 2, over 50,000 at Ibrox in the eyes and the ears of the world watching. Well, is it the greatest derby in the world? How are you feeling about the game yesterday? Rangers had to win and they were two minutes away from the 90 at 2-1 up and then Kyogo struck for Celtic his first. Goal in an old firm game. What did you think? Give us a call 0808 17 17 700. And you can join us on the socials at Go Football Show. I'm Paul Cooney in the heart of the Gorbals. On a wee bit early tonight, we couldn't wait to get started. Thanks, Zoe, for a great show this afternoon. We actually took the last song off there. Hope you don't mind, Mark. Yeah, you're ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Up for it, Paul. Looking forward to it. Into the overtime. You know what he's like. He's got expenses <laughs> in already. I'll and- do your invoice for you, Andy. Thank you. Andy Walker and Mark Guidi. Andy, you're at the centre of it all yesterday. Did you enjoy the game? What did you think of it? I always enjoyed just the spectacle, the drama. I think it's always compelling to watch. I thought it lacked a bit of quality. I've seen both teams play a bit better. And I, I was impressed with the Rangers, uh, the way that Rangers came back uh, from being a goal behind. It looked as though they might have held on, but no real surprise that Celtic scored so late on. Did Rangers want it more because they had to win? No, I don't think no. so. I think in the first half hour, I think Celtic controlled the game. All the passing was there and being at the ground, you could sense, mentioned it to Ali McCoy at the time, you could sense the frustration that the Rangers weren't, weren't closing down weren't getting their passing game going, but um, they certainly made a, a real fist of it. And to go, um, I mean, the first 10 minutes in the second half, you couldn't believe how it, it had all changed. And um, yeah, just great drama as it always is. Mark, overall, you've had time to look at it, digest it. What did you make of the derby and still nine points in it? Yeah, it was. Um, I think the goal from Kyogo has pretty much won the title uh, for Celtic. Um, I think Rangers had to win. They were within five or six minutes of doing so. I think a draw was maybe a bit right, but if you had to pick a winner, maybe Rangers just deserved it um, over the 90 minutes. But Celtic went there as champions and got the job done, did what they had to do. That was avoid defeat and they managed to do it. I thought at times they were very comfortable. They looked like a team, the way they passed and moved, found space for themselves. They looked like a team that had been with a manager for 18 months. Whereas at times Rangers looked like a team that are just finding their feet with five weeks with a new manager, which is understandable. But a good performance um, from Rangers, but they had to win it. And now, barring an absolute unforeseen and disastrous collapse by Celtic, the title will be staying at at Celtic Park. Let's go on the lines. We'll talk about the Goldson save, the handball, which wasn't given as a penalty. What do you think? 08, 08, 17, 17, 700. Gary's on the line, a Celtic fan from the Gorbals. Good evening, Gary. How are you doing, Paul? Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year to you, happy Gary. New Year, Gary. Yeah. Hi, Gary. Is it a happy New Year for you after yesterday? What did you think? Uh, very relieved 
to be honest, um, considering how the game went, uh, I mean, I'm not saying we played poorly, but I think we tested Connor Goldson's handling of the ball rather than uh, Alan McGregor. So, um, yeah, it was, it was as I say, we, we weren't terrible in the first half, but undoubtedly Rangers came in the second half. And I think a draw was a fair result. Yep, Andy, the, a couple of things. The loss of Greg Taylor um, it mm. affected the balance and Juranovic that we've all waxed <laughs> lyrical about for weeks. 20 million, 25 yeah, million, time, 100 million. We haven't said 100 million, yeah. but he did have a torrid time. He had yeah. a torrid time and I thought Sakala played him well. I think he was wary of his pace. He was standing off him. He was out of position. Just looked in general uncomfortable on the left-hand side. And I think it also highlights just how important uh, a natural left-footed player like Greg Taylor, and I know Celtic have got a lot of stars. They've got Jota, they've got Kyogo, they've got McGregor and O'Reilly and Hatate, but arguably Greg Taylor has been better than all of them over the course of this season. He's been that consistent. Mark, he has been undervalued in the past, but you saw the value of Greg Taylor yesterday yeah, when he went off. He's a top player, and, and Paul, I've said it in this programme many times and, and previously, and I'm not saying it with the benefit of hindsight, when Celtic got Greg Taylor for two million quid, I thought it was a great bit of business. And I've always said it, it took me a while to win over the Celtic supporters, but I watched him about 20 times under Steve Clark at Comanor. And he was an outstanding fullback. The, the biggest problem for Greg Taylor was he was filling the boots of Kieran Tierney. And that was a horrible job for anybody. Yeah. And he's managed to, to, with perseverance and with patience, it, it's worked out from. It was a big loss. I was a bit surprised Bernabe didn't come on, a natural left footer. Um, but maybe the managers thought having two sort of um, inexperienced fullbacks in terms of Alistair Johnson the right he, he went for Juranovic but watching Juranovic yesterday I think Celtic must sell him in this window take the highest bid and sell him I think that's fair for all parties and looking at Alistair Johnson very impressed with him um, I thought yeah. maybe he could get his angles a wee bit better at, uh, at Kent's uh, uh, opening goal for Rangers but apart from that he looks very comfortable uh, very assured and um, between him and Anthony Ralston vying for that right back slot I would, I would cash in uh, Juranovic Gary how did you feel about the first performance from Alistair Johnson um, you know I was really kind of worried when I seen his name in the team sheet because I thought you know I, I know he's been with us a wee while but in terms of you know training with the team kind of thing but I genuinely felt like we should have been playing Juranovic from the start in saying that I thought he had a, a decent game I think there's a lot more to come from him. Um, I felt it was a wee bit hampered maybe with, with Forrest and that side as well. I don't know. But in terms of Juranovic, just to touch on what Mark's saying, I think he's got his bags packed. I didn't think he looked interested yesterday. You know, when you look at Sakala, and he's already said Sakala played him. Um, I think when you look at the goals especially, a couple of times, he, he's actually two yards off Sakala and, and just gives up the chase. You know, and, and I know we're saying about Johnson could have got his angles better, but... I genuinely think Juranovic was probably more to blame for the two goals that we conceded. Andy? No, I think that's really harsh and uh, I think he was at it. I watched him in the warm-up. I watched a guy who had played so well in the World Cup. I mean, looked like one of the best players at the World Cup in his position. Yeah. And if Celtic were to sell him, Gary, you know, I think Celtic would make a, a really good profit on him. And as Mark has just alluded to, they've got... You know, Alistair Johnson there, they've got Tony Ralston, they've got uh, a bit of backup. But it obviously has to be with the say-so of Ange Postecoglou. And if he's happy to let him go, then, uh, you know, I think that would be good business. But I don't think there was anything wrong with his attitude yesterday. I think he just looked a bit uncomfortable. He certainly didn't uh, have a good game. 
and maybe a bit rusty after coming back from the World Cup and that, that break that he'd had. So um, I think you could still trust him if he was to go over and play on the right-hand side, Gary. Gary, what about I'm Dyson? Not- Maeda, four and a half minutes in and you went one up. Yeah, and, and that's really where where we should have uh, punished Rangers because I felt like we, sh- we could have got them pinned them back and, and really went for the kill. Do you know what I mean? I mean, there's a stat I came across today in the 20 league games this season, we've scored seven times in the first 10 minutes and we've scored 13 times in the last 10 minutes. So that kind of tells you a lot about the squad in terms of how we play. But obviously we start games well, but you know, I, I just felt we fell away. We let Rangers into it a wee bit. Um, and, but I thought in terms of Maeda's performance I thought he played really well took his goal very very well um, especially dancing past Tavernier and Goldson but no as I say I just I just thought we, we didn't play terribly and, and I, I, did, I do deserve I do think we deserved a draw but I, I just feel like we, that game was there for taking for us yesterday I think and what did you think watching it on TV you would see all the replays uh, the Goldson handball any doubt in your mind? Uh, well, you know, I, I was watching. I was watching the highlights there, and, and Neil McCann says in the studio that that John Beaton had a relatively quiet game. I think John Beaton and Willie Collum had a nightmare yesterday, an absolute nightmare. Um, because when you look at the penalty decisions, I think the Sakala when the one Sakala goes down, I think it's questionable. I, I don't think I don't think Starfield needs to go to ground. Yeah. I think if he stands on his feet. But at the same time, when you watch it, he slides in. He's not got his stud showing. He kind of pulls out of the challenge. And I think Sakala actually comes down in Starfield's foot, and, and that's what causes him to go down. As for the, the Goldson handball, I cannot for the life of me work out why he's not going to the monitor. There's actually there's actually footage of him saying to Callum McGregor, it's not down to me, which makes right. me think that you're the referee, so why are you not making the decision? Well, why are you letting Willie Collum take the flat? Andy? Yeah, I think you make an interesting point, Gary. I'm not sure if you said it's not down to me, but I think the process should be that uh, John Beaton makes the decision. Now, there might have been a better angle for him to go and look at it. And I think if uh, the VAR is looking at it for whatever it was, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, I think it tells you there was something to look at there. And I just think it's unacceptable for someone else to be refereeing the game. If there's yeah. something else to see, if there's a better angle, or you might have missed something here, John, go over to the monitor and you have a look and you decide with the benefit of replays, maybe a couple of different angles that you weren't aware of, and then make your decision. And if he makes his decision then that it's not a penalty, at least the process, I think, has been followed correctly. I take it, Andy and Mark, if the referee says, no, I want to see this, and the world is watching, there's 50,000 people there. Could you imagine if this was the title decider? Why is John Beaton not saying, I'm going to go and see it? I'm the match referee. Yeah, but he's 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 trusting Willie Collum. That's the that's relationship. What we've got to remember, what does VAR stand for? Video assistant referee, not the match referee. Yeah. It's John Beaton. So therefore, I agree. When you can see it is a handball, when you've, when you've got slowed down replays, as Willie Collum and the, the people in the van will have that and it's not just Willie there's a few of them there um, sure. I think you're right you say to John Beaton John there's something to see go and have a look yeah. it's not now, a fact Mark it's very yeah, subjective yeah, it is. It's down, and it's it shouldn't be Willie Collins' opinion, opinion. Yeah, exactly. it should be 
John Beaton's and if he thinks it's not a penalty yeah. fair enough yeah. but you have seen all the angles available to you and he, by the way I think he got the first one right I think yeah. Starfelt on Sakala for me is a clear penalty kick he's called Starfield it right thinking? yeah listen he's, he's, he's made a mistake look I think Celtic's got a really strong team and I've always said have they got the best players available for every position you know realistically I think they have apart from Starfield and I've always said that I'm not saying he's a bad player but you look at his distribution not just yesterday and other games and the position that he plays and how Celtic play under Postecoglou, it's important to be able to pass the ball from A to B and I don't think he does that well enough I think if there's a weak link in the Celtic team it's Carol Starfield I'm not saying he's a bad player but I think Celtic could do better in that area but getting back to the point um for me, it was a penalty kick with a with handball with Conor Goldson. Uh, but I don't blame John Beaton uh, because he can't overrule. But they're saying, oh, you're fine, John. You don't need to go and look at that. He can't say, eh, well, you say, well if, you're that, if you're that sure about it, John, why did you not call it as a penalty at the time? Okay. So he's trusting right. the judgment. So it's the judgment that's wrong from the van, the VAR, not John Beaton's judgment. Can he not say, I want to come and see it? Suppose well, if he's he telling there's nothing to see, then you're wasting sure. time, Paul. Mm -hmm. you, that, that's the relationship. So you're trusting yeah. VAR to give you accurate information. And in this instance, I think Vard got it wrong, not John Beaton. Sure. And Andy is so tough, isn't it? Because by and large, the Rangers fans will say, nothing to see here. Celtic fans will say, that's a penalty. So you need the wisdom of Solomon. I don't understand. I agree with you. Show it to the referee. It's up to yeah. him to call. I, I think John Beaton had a good game. I, I like the fact that he didn't use his cards till very late on. And there were, you know, decisions that could have gone either way. But that was a big call. A penalty incident is a big call. And obviously, Willie Collum's looking at it for some time. And if he is, uh, you should defer to the referee on the pitch. We're having a look at this. We're not sure we're going to look at it again. It, well, it's not your decision. It, it should be John Beaton's. And the first one, Sakala, a penalty for you. I thought it was Andy, a penalty, yeah. yeah. John Hartson said the same. Barry said the same. Gary, uh, you'd be a, you're a bit annoyed with Starfelt. I mean, I know it's the heat of the moment. Yeah. But going... Yeah, I mean, I thought he had a good game apart from that. And, and you know, just to touch on the, the VR thing there, you know, I was on the show after, I think it was the very first VR televised game. Yeah, Celtic I um, And, you know, I did say at the time that the VR decisions could cause murders in this game, this derby game, if if they, they're called wrong. I believe if Kyogo hadn't scored uh, late on, I think that kind of calmed the the kind of emotion of it down a wee bit. Um, but I, I still think that it's a, a stonewall penalty. And, and I just I just think that, that, you know, you look at, I don't know if you saw the Edinburgh derby as well yesterday, yeah. there was an incident with yeah. the, with the goal when when Shanklin got the penalty this the in this first half. Yeah. That uh, yeah, for the handball, yeah. So that takes that takes four minutes yep. on the field. Then he goes to the monitor. He's looking at the monitor for three minutes. I said at a time when the James Forrest and Michael Smith handball mm. that we need to get this right and we need to get the right decisions. I, I believe that there's a real problem with VR in Scotland. I believe we're the only country that probably can't seem to get this right. The, the only thing I would say, Gary, is you, you're saying we need to get the right decisions. You you just want decisions going your way. There are some decisions no, 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 that no, are no. neither... No. no, Gary, there are some decisions that are neither right or wrong. You should just defer to the referee in the middle of the park. And if it's controversial, that's absolutely fine. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that. I'm not, you know, I've not got my green tinted specs on and saying, you know, we should have had a penalty because... Um, I, I genuinely believe 
that it was a penalty and that Willie Collum, I, I don't get what Willie Collum's looking at when he says that's not a penalty. That's You don't need to go to the monitor to, to have a look at that. But Gary, you did say that you thought that John Beaton, let's take Willie Collum and Var out of it, you said that you thought that John Beaton had a nightmare. Yeah. In what way did he have a nightmare? Because I don't think well, he had a nightmare. Well, I, don't, I think you've been really and, harsh and, on him there. And in, in the opinion, I, I thought, I thought in terms of he, he, he tried to let the game flow, he wasn't dishing uh, yellow cards or red cards. I didn't think there was a bad challenge in the game yesterday, in, in all honesty. But when you look at it, I, I just think, all right, if he's given the penalty, always on, always on accord for Sakala going down, why is he not booking Starfield? Um, because I believe that would be a yellow card then. Um, you know, so he's gave a penalty that I don't think, personally, is a penalty. He's not given a penalty that, and, and he's obviously, you know, I, I just, I just thought it was a lot in the game that that kind of, that kind of got away from me. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. think, I, well, I don't think yeah. you're really backing up what you're saying in terms of a, of a nightmare. He's called what you think is a questionable penalty. Now you say you don't think it was a penalty. Staff at once Sakala. Yeah. There's, there's Barry Ferguson, John Hartson, and Andy Walker, myself say that is a penalty kick. So there's, there's forty-one. Oh. The handball. We agree, maybe he should see it at the time, but he's not, and therefore I think VAR's more to blame than, than him. I think it is a penalty, so I'll that. But you said you don't think, you said he, he wasn't, you know, handing out yellow cards and red cards, but then you said that you don't think there was a really a, a really bad tackle in the game. So I don't really get where you're coming from. I think you're just trying to find something there with John Beaton that wasn't there. But ultimately, your team did what they had to do, and they've got a result that should make them champions come May. And to be fair to Gary, yeah. a lot of Celtic fans thought that the Sakala and Starfelt was hard to call, that they didn't feel it was a penalty. But I listened to the pros who did say, Gary, they think that was a penalty. And you know penalty. what, Paul? Any yeah. controversial incident, yeah. that could have gone either way. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a penalty. Um, so if, if he didn't give it, you think, oh, I think Celtic got away with one there. The, the one with Goldson, I think it's a penalty. Yeah. But, I mean, the rule is a, a, an awful rule to try and, you know, be very consistent with. But I think when you've got other angles to look at I, I think it would have been more wise uh, for John Beaton to go to the monitor and, and see what he thought then. Gary did you feel at two minutes before Celtic scored I asked John Hartson and Barry Ferguson is there another goal in it it's as if Celtic kicked in towards the end your team they hadn't played that well yeah. in the second half but then they thought well with two minutes to go or three or four minutes to go plus uh, injury time what about Kyogo what do you think that'll do for him that's his first game in an old firm his first goal yeah, I think he's been a, a slightly unlucky Kyogo in terms of I think last season, you know, I think he missed a he missed a few of them through injury kind of thing and, and unbelievably Jackie Marcus hasn't got a, a, a derby goal either kind of thing. So, you know, it would have been good to have seen him come on and get a goal. But in terms of this this we never stop. I don't think we've played well over the last probably two months. I mean we've been seeing games out, I think, you know, two one a lot of two ones kind of thing failing to kind of put teams away, whether that's down to teams' tactics in terms of 10 men behind the ball, trying to defend too much like Aberdeen. Um, you know, we, we have we have struggled, I think, in the last couple of months. But when you look at the way we play, and especially the way we play in the last 10 minutes, even if we're going looking for a goal, there's no panic in the team. There's no panic in the play. And you saw that yesterday when the the goal. I, I thought the subs were a wee bit late coming on in terms of I would have, I would have made the subs quicker. Um, you know, I would have brought Jota and Moy on sooner. Um, probably the hooked O'Reilly at half time. I like O'Reilly, but I think he's, he's something's missing there. I don't know what it is, but um, I definitely would have put 
the subs on at half time. But I thought I thought the goal was coming. I felt the goal was coming. All right. Just whether we were going to get or not. Gary, thanks very much for calling. 0808 17 17 700. Paul is on the line, a Rangers fan. Has called. Good evening, Paul. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Paul. Happy New Year. Thanks for letting me on the show tonight. My voice is a bit risky. Was that yesterday? Could have been that as well. Could have been that. A few shouts here and there. Um, so what did you think I, yesterday? So, um, well, I want to make two points. First, my first point, though, is um, I won't name names, but you might work out who it is. There was a certain pundit who's been actually laughed at down south, to be honest with you, comparison about as Postacoglu being the Pep Guardiola of Scottish football. <laughs> I don't have anything so ridiculous in my life. I mean, Pep Guardiola's been in Barcelona, he's won the European Cup, he's managed by Munich, he's managed Manchester City. I mean, <laughs> doesn't compare. I mean, what I thought yesterday was Celtic didn't control the game. Um, if that's Rangers' weakest team, I mean, Bill's got a lot of work to do. And to be fair, the board have got the most bit of work to do. They've got to back Bill now. Um, bring the players in but if that's what Bill can do with the team around then I'm quite confident moving forward I thought he can tweak again but I'm going to kind of backtrack on what I'm saying there mm-hmm. I was a wee bit disappointed at the end um, I thought we could have actually went in for the kill with Celtic and to maybe 3-4 off them at the end if I'm being honest with you um, I mean Tillman had the chance to put it 3-1 up I was crying out to bring on Arfield if I'm being honest with you mm-hmm. um, given what he did to Aberdeen um, Man management, if I'm thinking about that, how would I feel if I scored two late goals against Aberdeen to basically keep us in the title race and then not have a sniff against Celtic? I get why he did it. I think he tried to close the game out. But maybe I'm you know, a bit harsh here, but I phoned up a number of times with James Sands. As soon as the guy came on, I said, bad move. We uh, seen him run up to 18 yards of the Celtic. He sat and dallied on the ball. And get the ball taken off. Uh, mm. I just don't see I it. Think, I, mean, I think, Paul, if the, if the roles are reversed and Rangers are chasing the game, who, who do they look to? Who does Michael Beale look to on his bench to get back into a game? And I think that is what gave Celtic supporters a bit of heart because you look at their bench, it's quite a strong start in a living, even allowing for the fact that uh, I think most people were surprised at Forrest and Johnson playing from the start, but it's a strong start in a living. And every Celtic supporter knew that Yakimakis, Abada, Jota eh, and Moy, people like that, could come on and make the difference. And they did. Now, if Rangers were 2-1 down, I'm not sure they can look to a bench and have players that you would put your money on changing the course of a game, rescuing a point. Eh, and I know that Arfield eh, did an amazing thing at Petordre a couple of weeks ago when he got those two goals. And I, I've got to say, I was a bit surprised he didn't start the game yesterday. I thought Rangers, you know, right. trying to go, yeah. as Michael Beale said, hell for leather. Yeah. I thought Arfield might have been a good starter. But in any event, I think you're you're right, Paul, and, and Gary earlier when he called. A draw was maybe about a fair result, but I think you saw Celtic chasing a game and having the players to make changes and chase the game and get a result. Paul, who's the pundit? <laughs> Who compared? Because uh, some of the Celtic fans will be raging, saying he's better than. No, okay. Uh, I'm not that bothered about that, Mark. Have you know heard who, who it was? I don't, I don't know. No Andy, do you know who it was? Uh, Come on, is it one of your sorry. colleagues? Uh, no? Maybe I don't know. I'll tell. I'll tell you who it was. Yeah. Who is it, Paul? Yeah. Uh, uh, Chris. Oh, big Chris. 
Yeah. Listen, he always likes to throw in something, doesn't he, Chris Great. Sutton? Yeah, colour. It's, and it's bit, Paul, you're not really bothered, are you? Because it's a, you know, it's a bit of chat on the day uh, for the game. What about the game itself, Mark? That's a good point, though, because lots of Rangers fans were saying, "Get Scott Arfield, Arfield on," yeah. but they were holding the game. You know, they were yeah, two I'd, one up. I, I, yeah. I didn't expect to see Scott Arfield in the starting lineup, despite the fact I know he's got quality and I like Scott Arfield, um, but uh, I think now he's an impact player. He's right. your last 20, 25 minutes as he showed at Pataudry. Again, if Rangers were 2-1 down the Celtic where Paul, I think Arfield would have been one of the guys to come on. So I think you've got to understand and I do understand Michael Beale's decision not to bring, bring him on. I get you with James Sands. I like him. I think he's an honest player, a good professional. He'll fill in for you like, you know, playing at centre-back when, he, when he's asked to. But is he the kind of quality that Rangers, or does he have the quality that Rangers need moving forward ultimately if they want to become champions because that's a task I don't think he is I think you need to bring in better if you're going to topple um, every, Celtic sorry Mark every Rangers fan I've spoken to has said that recruitment has got to improve dramatically starting uh, this January and I'm wondering what is different for Michael Beale from uh, Giovanni Van Bronckhurst he wanted players he told everyone there was no money there was no many millions sitting in the bank that we, we can spend so I don't know what has changed. I know he's a new manager and you might be promised a wee bit of this and a wee bit of that, but if you want to make dramatic changes, it costs a bit of money. And I know you can go and get the likes of uh, Aribo and Bassey yeah. for relatively uh, little sums and they go on and, and they, they can be sold for, for many millions. That is great business. But by and large, Rangers need to spend a bit of money in, in January and next summer Um and it will be interesting to see if um, if Michael Beale is willing or he's able to to spend that that amount of money. Paul, as a Rangers fan, what would you say to the Rangers directors? And I know they're listening. They listen to this program. What would you say to them? Uh, like I said, any other thing I've told them, I appreciate what, like you say, Douglas Patton Co have done over the years for Rangers to get us you know, the fifty-five titles and bring us through a real, you know, probably most difficult period in Rangers history. To be honest, so. I'll never take that away from them, but if you really want to improve, I, I agree 100% what Mark and, and Andy have been alluding to there. I think Arfield is a, a type of guy you bring on as an impact player. Um, but for us to kind of move forward, you know, Celtic, our, our rivals were able to put again because I've got the, the personnel on the bench. We need that now. But then again, you know, given Bill, um, hopefully like Sir Lowry and Young Adam Define, who I think you know, when I've watched him play, he's been outstanding. Um, hopefully, we've now got a chance to bring through our own youth and they get an opportunity. So, I'm hoping Douglas Partner put the splash about the cash. Um, I wouldn't be, you know, come back to my my great friend James Sands, I wouldn't be putting out five and a half million pounds for him, put it that way. I think Mark, Marcus uh, Tillman, absolutely, five and a half million pounds. I would, I would get that guy. Um, I think we're a bit more, maybe a different type of system when Bill gets in more players. I think. I think that this will playing great football. So I'm not going to take that away from I'm going to sit here and put up a show and say, yeah. say unwise, you know. But again, I'm going back to Chris. I know he, I know he says sure. things to get headlines. He does great. But if, that, if it was a caller, if that was just a punter for them and made that comparison, I'm pretty sure some of your pundits on this show and other places would laugh at that and say, what are you talking about? I mean, it's a nonsense statement to make. What has Ange done in Europe? Well, he hasn't until now. You know, this is his first year, yeah. like his first year and a half in Europe. So you're right, it's a completely different yeah. comparison. You, you just won't find many Celtic supporters yeah. who don't trust the manager at the moment. It's remarkable what he's done. And it, yeah. It's a transformation in, yeah. what, 18 months? Sure. And I think they have already done business. 
uh, for the January window. It remains to be seen how effective uh, these players will be. It remains to be seen if Celtic can uh, hold on to everyone. Do they want to hold on to everyone? If they get an offer that is, uh, you know, you, you can't afford to knock it back, they'll be happy to do business and get someone else in. On the basis of what you saw, Andy, would you say then take the 15 million or whatever for Juranovic? Absolutely. If there's an offer there and the manager's agreeable, I think it has to be the manager's uh, decision. And I know there's a lot of business decisions to be made at Celtic all the time. But right now, Ange Postecoglou has transformed that club in 18 months. And uh, if he's happy with players uh, going, by all means do it. And Paul, if there's a playbook or mark that uh, Postecoglou has, Rangers would want that kind of recruitment. It's been remarkable what he's done in yeah. the transfer market yeah. for a relatively small sum of yeah. money. It's, it's a model Rangers want to get to, yeah. that kind of a model. And and on uh, Ange Postecoglou in terms of Juranovic, I'm pretty certain the manager would take £15 million for Juranovic. Otherwise, it, they w- he wouldn't have sanctioned a £3 million move for Alistair Johnson. Paul, listen, thanks very much. The title, is there any point in talking about it, the nine points? Is it too much for you? Or you must have been thinking it 2-1. You know, Tillman, you're right. He was a Cameron Carter-Vickers tackle away from maybe making it 3-1. And then I think tonight we'd be saying it could be race on for Rangers. Have you written it off? I know there's a long way to go. 18 games. What would you say about the title? You know what? See, after us getting to South Hill, um for us to win the league in the last game of the season the helicopter Sunday twice see all those times uh, I've never thought it would have happened so given that that's happened in the past who can say never so I'm always going to be optimistic um, until it's mathematically over we're still in the rush out aren't we in this Bond season because the Bond movies have been on it's never say never again (laughs) yes thank you (laughs) Paul thanks very much let's have a great 2023 thanks for calling cheers thanks a lot cheers Paul thank you The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.com Representing some of the biggest motoring manufacturers across Scotland Let's go! Took you a detour there, I think it was up a a cul-de-sac Paul Cooney, Mark Guidi, Andy Walker And looking back to the big one yesterday, the Old Firm Derby Finished Rangers 2, Celtic 2 Elsewhere, Aberdeen 0, Ross County 0 Hearts winning the Derby Hearts 3, Hibs 0. Lee Johnson must be beginning to worry about things and he said there was mediocrity in the final third with his team and he needs to get rid of some of the deadwood. They've got a huge squad there. I'm going to ask Andy, a former Hibs player, about that in a moment or two. Kilmarnock and St Mirren 0-0. Was it an ordering off in the first minute or two? Erehan went yeah, off. Seven, yeah, yeah, seven minutes. So, um, well, for St Mirren, maybe a decent result. Kelly, maybe points lost. Livy and Motherwell, 1-1. Motherwell not at the end of the table that they want to be. Livingston, another draw. And Dundee United winning the, the derby there on Tayside. Tony Watt, his fourth goal of the season in 81 minutes. That's their first away win and two wins in a row. And in the championship, in the Glasgow derby, in the other one, a win for Queen's Park. And they go top oh. of the table, Mark. Yeah. Could uh, they be coming? Oh, listen, there's no way you can rule Queen's Park out. Full-time setup, really good experienced manager and, and own coil. His assistant Sandy Stewart, and um, you know they they they'll set a pace. And D slipped up at home to a broth. That looked a banker game uh, for the for the Dark Blues. But um, you know, Queens Park we've got a good setup. Paul, as you know, we're now in the at the start of the transfer window. So if you know if they need to go and get one or two players in, then I'm sure they'll go and try and do it because they're they're uh, 
you know, at the very least, Queen's Park are going, to, are going to be in the playoffs. They're going to give themselves a right shot at getting into the, the top flight. And I, I don't know for sure, but it strikes me probably a year or, or, or perhaps even two years um, earlier than what they might have anticipated. 2-0 Queen's Park against uh, Partick Thistle. And uh, Andy, it's not Ronaldo who's coming to Queen's Park or anywhere. I see the deal has gone through. He's just been introduced to the crowd uh, recently in the last uh, hour or two in Riyadh. It's just a massive deal. So he said, my work in Europe is done. He's now in the Middle East. What a work, a piece of work he's done in Europe, winning absolutely everything, being completely outstanding. But the last couple of months, his behaviour, I've not warmed to it at all. So, uh, yeah, wish him well in Saudi. Um, He's getting a couple of quid for going there, Mark, eh? Yep, and I agree with you. I, I, I think he's really soured. This yeah. whole reputation, uh, what's happening what? in the past I'd love to have seen it's, really, it's a shame, it's really sad see, actually. See, when they get knocked out by Morocco, I would have loved to have seen him go round every single Morocco player and just say, well done, and show you know what a great uh, sportsman he, he, he could have been and been remembered for because he wouldn't be back at another World Cup, of course. And he he's had remarkable World Cups. What's that, five? Yeah. I mean, it's astonishing. But he could have gone out on a... On a bigger high, just by being, uh, you know, a bit a bit better behaved, I think. Instead of going up the tunnel in tears, knowing that the cameras they weren't on the Moroccan players, they were on yeah. Ronaldo. His yeah. conduct off the park, you know, the, the couple of interviews, supposed, you know, whatever he was up to in the, the Portuguese camp as well during the World Cup. But the way he handled his exit at Manchester United, badly, badly advised, and uh, it was a shame to, to to sour the wonderful relationship we had with Man United. Big game, biggest game on the planet yesterday was here in mm. Glasgow. 50,000, over 50,000 at the match. I saw one of the Premiership games with only 2,000 at the game. Was it at Livingston? Maybe talk to you about that. It's a tiny wee crowd there when you see the difference. In the same uh, division, but it just shows you the difference, Mark, between top and some of the others. Yeah, uh, I mean, the clubs do try hard, Paul, to get them yeah. through the gates, but... You know, it's, it's money as well, it's pricing. Sure. It's a lot of yeah. money to get them in. I think that is something that needs to be looked at across the board because the SPFL clubs control it and I think they need to be more mindful. Look, Celtic Rangers is different. It's box sure. office. You're always going to get a wonderful demand for it. And, um, you know, as I say, I think I agree with Andy in terms of 90 minutes yesterday or 100 minutes as it is now. Um I think it lacked a bit of quality, but certainly wasn't short of entertainment uh, or drama. And I thought as well, listening to you guys in the car yesterday, uh, Paul, Barry Ferguson got it spot on right away. Yes, Alfredo Morelos was a trigger for what happened at the opening goal, but James Tavernier, he's, more, he's the most culpable. Um, you either get your pass right back to Goldson or the goalkeeper, or you take Maida out and take one for the team. One or other, but he, he got it wrong and all three counts, and he should have uh, covered his teammate Morelos there. Let's hear from the two managers. First of all, Michael Beale, his first game fully in charge as manager. The two goals for us are, are goals, they're poor goals to give away. Certainly the one early in the game, we actually started the game quite well and then gave away a goal, and it took us 10 or 15 minutes to find ourselves again. I thought we did. I didn't really want the half-time whistle. We had two big chances with Alfredo with headers. Ryan Kent hits the post, and, uh, and you're thinking at half-time we need to show a little bit more belief. Uh, because I didn't think there was much in the game other than that. And the start of the second half, we showed that. We got ourselves 2-1 up in front, and we're in control of the game. They've not been near Allen. Uh, we have a big chance maybe to go 3-1 with Malik, and uh, we don't take it. The second goal that they scored is really poor from us. We've sat deep, and we have three or four chances to clear it. So I'm disappointed. I saw a lot of good things today. I saw 
a lot of players that are committed to the calls. Um, I like us to show at times a little bit more quality in possession. That was what was missing first half, but I thought second half we were excellent. And if we'd have won the game, uh, I think it would have been a fair. And so, yeah, we're a little bit disappointed. Mark, a fair summary by McBeal? Yeah, he's, he's not far um, off the mark. Look, but what we know about, about Michael Beal, Paul, is he's an outstanding coach. And, and, I, mm. and I use the word outstanding, and I, and I mean that. He is. He knows the game. He's good. He's, he's tactics. He can educate players. It can improve them. That's where they can also marry that into being a manager. So far, five games, four wins and a draw. A draw against the champions at Ibrox, all things considered. Not bad um, at all. Now what he needs is the other people at the football club and the other departments to give him a hand. That means giving them the tools, better tools to go and work with. That's down to the recruitment and the board. Now I'm not saying that the board, they don't have a magic wand. If the money's not there, it's not there. That's where you've got to be creative, you've got to use your contacts and you've got to do better than the last three windows. You look at the last three windows for Rangers, they've not been good enough. Compare it to Celtic, night and day. So Michael Beale needs to refresh the squad. There's no doubt that, I think if you're Michael Beale, if you're looking at your starting 11 on the weekend of August the 5th and 6th when the new season kicks off, um, then I would imagine he's looking for at least, compared to yesterday, he's looking for at least five new faces, if not six. Andy, do you agree? Yeah, and I think the big ones are Morelos. Um, Michael Beale is trying to establish that relationship that he had previously had with Morelos, he'd previously had with Ryan Kent. What do they want to do? They, they can now speak to other clubs. They can now sign a pre-contract. I, I think every Rangers su uh, supporter would love to know what are their intentions. Do you, do you want to just um, see out your contract and move on? Or do you want to stay with a new manager and whatever his vision is for for the individual and for the club. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see that out of contract players, Michael Beale, I think, said it himself, he'll know a lot more after seeing them, uh, you know, against Celtic, the the, the top team. And uh, I, I thought Rangers at times played well yesterday, did really well to come from a goal behind to get 2-1 in front. And as Michael Beale was saying there, you know, a bit sharper from Tillman, they might have been 3-1 up. But... Um, the makeup of the team at the start of next year will be so interesting because that that's two windows effectively. I think the chance with Thielman is a good chance, but I have to say, I think you've really got to give that's one you give enormous credit to Carter Vickers. I mean, what an outstanding defender he is. You know, it's six million quid. That's a, I mean, that's a bargain all day long. Um, so I think I would I would I would tend to really praise uh, Carter Vickers because I think any other defender as they making that block. Um, so I, 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 would, I would cut Tillman a wee bit of slack there. Let's see if Frank and Mary Hill agrees. Frank, good evening. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Paul and the guys there. Happy New Year, Frank. Hi, Frank. Years. What about Carter Vickers yesterday? Ah, he's just a he's just a brick house tank. He is. He really is. He's the he's the foundation of that defence, and um, that's what we build around. Yeah, it's um, similar to in my book. You need that's where you build from your defence. And that goes, I've always said that, and I say that about the great Lisbon Lions as well. The strength wasn't, to me, the greatest strength. The strength of the team was the defence of our Lisbon Lions. Uh, that was the rock that we built on and Jockstein built on. And I think this is going to be the same way, um, Ange. Ange, yeah. What did you think of yesterday overall, Frank? Well, uh, well uh, in terms of, uh, I'll come on to my main point, but mm. in terms of yesterday, I think really the time has come. Really, the laughs and the jokes have got to stop now. We've got to do something with this refereeing and the VAR. 
it's beyond a joke. And I think MD with any common sense, and Andy, you were commentating yesterday, as you have in all the games, it's just utterly beyond belief what goes on in this country. We have to take stock of how we set up our refereeing situation here. You cannot have, you cannot, in any sensible way, someone who is obvious Rangers tendencies refereeing a Celtic Rangers game. And it's it's not just yesterday. This has been going on for decades. And we have to fight this very difficult, grasp this difficult metal. And until we do, the same stuff's going to keep happening. And I, since I don't believe the game's corrupt, Frank, do you? Oh, <laughs> let's say, um, I'll put it straight, in my 50, almost 50 years of watching Celtic, I've been watching a rigged game. A rigged game. You know that and Celtic that's... have been utterly dominant for the last, I don't know how many years. Utterly <laughs> dominant, Frank. They've won 16 titles since the turn of the century. Yeah. yeah. So what, that, what's rigged in that? What's rigged, Andy, is the fact that we've won it despite officialdom. Despite what's going on in the pitch. Well, honestly, Frank, I go to a lot of games and uh, if I could make a case for every club, give me the tapes of every game for every club and I'll give you some horrific refereeing decisions for every club. Andy, Andy, we know that. That harm, that's football. That's, yeah. that's what I'm talking about here and what I'm saying. And just let's get it simple here. You cannot have someone refereeing a game who has an allegiance to one side or the other, whether it's Celtic, whether it's Rangers. You cannot have that. Sadly, in our countries in the decades, those leanings of referees have been vastly predominantly towards Rangers. And that cannot happen in a fair society, in a fair sports so, arena. So what, what do you want to happen? Same as happens in England, Andy. It's not, this isn't some outlandish, you know, some, something from a foreign, um, a foreign world I'm talking about here. This happens in England. You declare your interest and, until, and you must declare your interest and you can't. In England, you cannot referee a game where your allegiance is to a particular club involved in that match. That's common sense. That isn't anything crazy. I don't have a, a problem with that, Frank. I think it is common sense. It's also, as well, I think it's very helpful to the, to the referee if their own private and, and, and personal lives. So, yeah, I don't have a, a problem with that. But, I think what needs to, to happen, you, your own, if you believe that, I don't know if the people at the top of your football club at Celtic believe that, I really don't know. But if they do, they need to go and drive change from within. They're a very powerful football club. They have powerful people at the top that are listened to in the corridors of power at Hamden, whether that be the SPFL or the SFA. So it's up to your football club to go and dra- to go and try and drive uh, change. But also, I agree with that point you've made, but I also agree with, with Andy. I look at, I see games all over the country, Frank and have done since I've been reporting for 25 years. And like Andy, every every team can make a case two or three times a game. So therefore, I don't think it's bent. I don't think there's there's referees go out there at three o'clock on a Saturday to to do in Celtic. I don't believe that. I Frank, just believe that some of them are just not very good. There's Frank, a lot of, there's a I, lot of um, incompetence amongst their officials at the moment. Frank, I played for Motherwell, I played for Hibs, we went to Celtic, we went to Rangers and there was steam coming out of my ears at some of the decisions that went against us. And 
when I played for Celtic, I mean, I'm playing in front of a big crowd. There were some decisions that we got and I couldn't believe we got them. And we got them because of the crowd. And I think there is an element of human nature where you've got 30, 40, 50,000, uh, you know, screaming for a foul, a penalty or whatever it is. There's an element within that of a referee. Do you know what? I'm, I'm just going to do the same. I'm go I'll go with that decision. And there were some laughable decisions that I got as a as a as a Celtic player. Now, if you're talking about Celtic and Rangers, um, I mean, I played under Billy McNeil. I played alongside uh, Tommy Burns, and I saw Roy Aitken yesterday actually, which was a big highlight for me. I caught up with Roy for a while, but I played under them, and uh, none of them. I don't think any of them believed that. Uh, there was anything untoward. Now, I know that there might be um, noises from uh, people within the club that they have, uh, the SFA, the referees, they've always been against Celtic. Uh, I just don't see it. I see, I see some really strange decisions. But, Frank, honestly, I do not believe our game is corrupt. Andy, you just made a statement there that's completely and utterly false. And now... Actually, you have to retract it regarding Billy McNeil and, and other Celtic managers. You tell me, Andy, because Billy McNeil, about 10 years ago, maybe longer, 10, 12 years ago, an article that can be researched stated that undoubtedly there was bias of referees to our Celtic, against Celtic when it came to Rangers. Undoubtedly. Now you can research that, you'll find it. Tell me, Andy, why is it? You go back to Jock Steen. Go through them all if you want and embarrass you. No, we know the Jock Frank, Steen quote. That Frank, Jock, I'm, I'm yeah. talking about um, conversations I've had with Billy McNeil. Yeah. I'm talking, can I speak without your interruption, please? Well, sure. Fill your boots. Jock Steen said, Celtic play against not 11 men, but, 13, uh, but 14 men. The referee and two linesmen. Uh, if you want to do again, um, what do you call him? The Celtic manager, um, a great manager, um, David Hay, a very mild mannered man, man you'll never find, suggested Celtic leave to go to English football because of the refereeing. Do you want me to go on, Andy? Yes. Andy, keep going. Andy, the, 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 the reality is there, Andy. You, Andy, you must, I've, I've been to home and away games with Celtic for 30 years. I was. I don't go, I can't go now, but I did. I watched all the games. So, nothing you can tell me that I've never seen. The point I'm trying to make here, and I'll make it to all your listeners, is what I've seen isn't it what I've wanted to see. It's not some, um, oh, aren't we hard done by? It's reality. Frank, it's you, the think reality. The, you think the game you think the game is corrupt, and I, I don't know if the people inside the Celtic boardroom feel the same way as you. Why not? Yeah, Andy, Andy, Celtic supporters have asked for years, decades, for Celtic to step up and say, enough is enough and the board did under John Reid if you remember 10 years ago when he brought the Icelandic referees in John Reid said quote we're not any longer going to sit at the back of the bus now since then I thought Celtic would take the take the bull by the horns and sort this out but well, why haven't they though Frank that's the key question then Frank. and actually we're going to have to go to yeah. a break shortly the thing is yesterday was the first ever old firm game Glasgow Derby game with VAR and in the VAR decision as I understand it the man in charge of VAR 
was Willie Collum, who did not refer it back to the referee John Beaton. Would that be right? This the the Goldson. It should have been a penalty. Most people would say, and I can understand the Celtic fans are really unhappy about it. But it was the VAR official. So we've now got a VAR official as well who plays a big part, Andy. Yeah, but he's not aligned with any club. The uh, as far we as will, I know, we will never get him. we will never get rid of controversial decisions in football. But Frank, my my beef with Frank is he thinks the Scottish football is corrupt. I I don't. That's fine. Andy, can I finish, please, Bob? Can I finish? Of course. Please, on you go. I'll give you. I'll give you. People say, "Oh no, um, there's no need to have people refereeing games that aren't aligned. They're not. They're not corrupt." I am not saying, my point here is, and I've seen corrupt referees, trust me. <laughs> trust me, I've seen them down the years. Okay. And we are, any Celtic board knows what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about here is common, decent justice here. You must, in any arbitrary situation, be it in a court of law, a court of arbitration, you can't have anybody making that judgment who is aligned to one side or the other. Frank, your next port of call should be someone on the Celtic board. Honestly, get them on side with you and see where you see where you can take it. Frank, listen, thanks for calling. We need to move on. 0808 17 17 700. The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.com representing some of the biggest motoring manufacturers across Scotland. Let's go! Go, 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 go. go Radio Football Show with Macklin Motors. Uh, Frank, you've got people talking there. The Celtic fans are not happy. They can't understand why the Conor Goldson handball wasn't given as a penalty. And, you know, he quoted, uh, we found that article where Billy McNeil did refer to refereeing in Scotland. It's older than time. It's gone on for decades. And his question is, should referees, and I think it's a fair question, should they say um, where their allegiance was when they were younger or whatever? That's what Frank's saying, because in England, you have to say, I'm a Man yeah. United fan, I'm a Chelsea much, fan or whatever. Much bigger country down in England. And here, I mean, I, I believe in the integrity of referees, no matter who they support. And I think every referee should be judged on their decision-making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it doesn't matter what we think or what Frank thinks or what tens and thousands of supporters, Celtic fans think or Rangers fans think, it's up to their clubs if they want to go and do something. They can put it on the agenda, Paul, to bring it up, raise it with SFA, raise it with SPFL and if enough, cl- enough clubs want it to happen and they think it's for the good of the game and it's voted through then yeah, good, good luck with that yeah but there's, there's I don't think there's there's any chance of it but if Frank and other Celtic supporters want to see it um, out in the open then it's up to their football club to drive it forward and Andy what about that point Willie Collin was the, the man in charge of yeah. VAR who's not associated with any club. And he, he's hardly a favourite of the Rangers supporters. Yeah. But then, I, I thought it was a penalty yesterday. My concern was just the process. You were looking at it for 30 seconds, maybe 60 seconds, and it shouldn't have been a Willie Collum decision. In the end, whatever way it was going to fall for John Beaton, go and have a look at it with the benefit of maybe some different angles and make your decision from there. And you take that one incident out of the game yesterday I thought John Beaton had a, a great game uh, Mark has been on he was at the game yesterday a Celtic fan he says I totally agree with Frank he's great it's also great radio so Mark in Lanarkshire there has just come on the socials at Go Football Show and I get it and I think corrupt's the wrong word I think it's just maybe some people well if you think are, are conditioned. if Frank thinks that there's something deliberate going yeah. on that, that makes it a corrupt game I don't believe that you've no. got you've 
See for something like that. And Frank was was talking about courts of law and I but well that's right. So if you want to go down that road, find us proper evidence that there's cheating going on in the game against Celtic. And, 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 and you're right, Andy, not talking about, you know, decisions. Because that would, it would have to come from all different angles of the yes. game with people at the highest level. So go and find evidence. You know, it's fine having yeah. an opinion. It's and like we're saying, it's subjective. The penalty call, all penalty calls are subjective. It's down to sure. opinion. So go and find it. If, there's, if it's out there, if you believe it's out there, go and get the and, evidence. And Mark, we, we have known corrupt referees before in other countries. Yeah payments were made into their bank account it was taken to court and it was shown that uh, there was match fixing going on I, I don't believe we've got that in Scotland Indeed I did suffer for it against uh, Roma European Indeed. Cup semi-final yeah. French mm -hmm. referee and I think uh, years ago this is a couple of decades ago but referees in their final game could choose they, they could they didn't always get it but they could say to the league at that point oh can I referee it whatever it was Anfield yeah That's my, Well, in, yeah. In, in Scotland though no oh, in right. Scotland yeah right 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 so okay. and the Celtic fans where did I think, they choose yeah <laughs> well I mean you know I mean and some of the ex-Rangers managers would joke about it as well you know we do know we live in reality and people say what time's the Rangers penalty people do say that now I, I joked about it yeah. with uh, Ali McCoy's yeah. during a game and I get absolute pelters yeah, for yeah, it of course so, yeah. a, a bit of humour as well Frank was right though about the article well remembered yeah. it was yeah. in the sun 13 years ago the late great Billy McNeil your, one of your old mentors yeah. uh, he did say he thinks over the years it has favoured Rangers so it's the it's the great column big, big ah, Billy yeah, big Billy. The, yeah, did, the, did you the sun, the sun? yeah, yeah. Column. Were you allowed to read it when you were in the Sunday Mail? Of course oh, you were. Absolutely. Yeah, football had to keep of things, yeah. <laughs> Listen, we've got football talking. The Celtic fans as well, some of them saying as well, they didn't play that well yesterday, but they got the point that counted for Celtic. And for Rangers, maybe this is a sign that Michael Beale, five games, four wins, one draw um, against the league leaders, some good business for them. What's going to happen in January? That's what the Rangers fans want to know. And I know we always say it's a difficult one. We heard from Mick Beale a wee while ago, or Michael Beale. I'm not sure why I'm calling him Mick Beale today. Uh, here's Ange Postacoglu and his thoughts on the game. Cracking game of football, mate. Let's, uh, before we get into the analysis, uh, yeah, I thought it was a cracking game for everyone. And, uh, you know, all eyes are on this game, uh, not just in Scotland, but everywhere around the world. And uh, I thought both teams uh, were at it today. And, uh, you know, really a real proper derby. And, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, it's a cracking game. Um, look, we, we started the game really well, um, and then we just yeah we just lost control of it because mainly self-inflicted because of our passing. You know, just um, <coughs> we're making sort of mistakes, um, errors in our passing that we don't usually do, and allowed them to get back into it. And you know, they got a bit of momentum, particularly with the crowd behind them. And um, you know, at the beginning of the second half, they they kind of took a foothold for 15, 20 minutes, and then you know again you know great spirit and resilience shown by the lads. So, you know, very easy on a day at least to sort of resign yourself to a fate, but uh, we haven't done that, you know, all year or last year, and uh, we found a way. Mark Whitty, what do you take from Ange Postecoglou's uh, uh, his summary of the game? Aye, you know, I think both managers have pretty much called it right. You know, um, I think I, I agree. With you. I thought it was it was an exciting derby game. You know, good value drama. I think it lacked a bit of quality. Like you said there, I thought Celtic's passing sometimes was sloppy, most unlike them. But you look at now, if you know where he was sitting with five minutes ago, and the very first caller, Gary, made a great point too. You look at Celtic and the build-up to their goal, which was scored in what the 87th, 88th minute. They were relaxed, they were calm. You know, they still they believe in what they what they do, and that's what the manager um, wants to see. They were patient, they probed, and they eventually um, they got the goal, um, and it put Celtic, you know, firmly. Um, 
in the driving seat and uh, I think what was it one defeat in 52 games 53 games league games I think that's what it is something something um, something like that um, I think was flying about um, yesterday and you know uh, if Rangers had to have any chance of winning the title they had to win yesterday because there's no evidence to suggest that there's going to be a collapse from Celtic that they're going to throw away uh, a nine point lead with uh, what is it 18 games to go yeah, 18 to go Andy your thoughts on Ange Postacoglu's summary yeah I think he was slightly frustrated with a lot of the your eyes are always drawn when you see a bit of movement up in that gantry at Ibrox and uh, he was frustrated with a lot of I think Mark mentioned it earlier the, the misplaced passes when the, the, they had men forward and a, a better pass and it wasn't that difficult a pass might have got them in uh, they had one big chance, I thought, with Kyogo, where the ball was squared to him inside the box, and he completely uh, mishit it. Didn't he even hit it uh, in actual fact? So I think there was an element of frustration. Celtic weren't um, at their best, but they, they they started very well, and I thought they controlled the game for for about half an hour before Rangers came back into it. At one of the moments of controversy or surprise, Mark, I'm looking at you as a former goalkeeper, Joe Hart. What's he thinking about? Oh, 28 minutes, the clearance. Yeah, yeah it just took too long in the ball. I know it's, it's, it's a modern uh, way, Paul, for the past kind of decade or so, and it really frustrates me at times. You know, just clear your lines. You know, see, sometimes, you know what? Just leather it, leather it up the pitch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you do all that, messing about the back. Uh, sometimes it comes back um, to haunt you, and, and it nearly did. He redeemed himself like a really good save, low down to his left. But I think that gave the Rangers players and certainly the Rangers support Andy was there inside the stadium gave them a wee trigger a wee bit of belief in for that final 15 minutes of the half they, they were on top and then get the goal very quickly in the second half and by the way credit to Ryan Kent what a beautiful uh, finish mm. it really was The keeper what did you make of that moment? Yeah I think it kick started a period where Rangers yeah. were out of it and it just gave them a lift it brought the crowd alive uh, there was a bit of uh, sustained pressure Morelos I think could have done a bit better, especially one of the headers when he was all over. I think Juranovic, uh, and he yeah. could have he could have got it in at the the far post. But um, it is the way they're told to play, though, Mark. You know, know. they they are told to take a touch, to find a teammate. Don't lump it unless there are absolutely no options. But I agree with you in that circumstance yesterday. It, the option was just to get rid of it, get it away from the danger area. Andy, I haven't asked you about this before the programme. Bill Leckie's done a column today and he talks about, you know, the minute silence, which mm. I'm in the studio with Barry and John, the headphones on, I can see it on telly. It looked to be well-respected by just about everyone, but then I could hear some of the fans booing. Were, was it many people who were who disrespected the minute silence, which was in memory, of course, of the 66 who died 52 years ago. Also, Pelly, Frank McGarvey, and I want to speak to you about Frank and also yeah. Pope Benedict. Paul, if you want to talk about offensive singing at a Celtic Rangers game, I mean, I've been at games recently where the memory of Tommy Burns has been abused, the memory of Davy Cooper, Andy Gorham, uh, the Lisbon Lions. Uh, I can remember Scott Brown's sister uh, was thrown into his face uh, because she'd uh, tragically died from cancer. And then you've got all the stuff about the, the Pope and the Vatican, the anti-Catholic stuff. You've got the abuse of the Queen, the King, the Crown. Yeah. Uh, where do you stop sure. with the offensive singing if you want to highlight it? Because sadly, it is there. I'd say pretty much every game I go to, there's offensive singing. So what do we do about it? And I think we do what we have done for years. 
we just let it wash over us. Now it's up to the it's up to the SFA, it's up to the clubs to do something about it. And I don't think the clubs want to do something about it because it's it's money. Yeah. They they, they, they still get money from these people who come into their grounds and come out with the most vicious and vile hatred and um sadly it's a part of Scottish football. Mark, if only we could wipe it out, but we won't, Paul. Unfortunately, we won't in this part of the the, the world. Um, we won't, and I think Andy's just summed it up perfectly. Now. Oh eight, oh eight, seventeen, seventeen, seven hundred. Another hour of the Go Radio Football Show. The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.com, representing some of the biggest motoring manufacturers across Scotland. Let's go. There's a new name for Toyota in Lanarkshire. From one of the UK's biggest names in motor retail. Macklin Motors Toyota is now open in Hamilton. We're bringing you everything Toyota backed by first-class service. So come and view the stunning new Toyota range, all with up to 10 years warranty. Including the Igo Cross and the new Yaris Cross compact SUV. See our great choice of approved used Toyotas. Our formidable range of commercial vehicles, including the Hilux. Get expert servicing from our manufacturer trained technicians. And specialist advice from our Motability team. Macklin Motors Toyota is open now at Whistlebury Road, Hamilton. Happy New Year to everyone who's joined the growing list of listeners to the Go Radio Football Show with Macklin Motors. Thanks for being with us through 2022 and into 23 with the table. The Cinch Premiership looking like this. Celtic on top after 20 games on 55 points. Goal difference of 46. Rangers in second spot Nine points behind on 46 and a goal difference of 26. Hearts in the third spot. Who can catch them? They're in 31 after a big win in the Edinburgh Derby yesterday. Aberdeen a draw for them. They're in 26 along with St Mirren who drew. Livingston on 25. They had a draw, of course. St Johnson on 24. They lost. Hebs on 23 after that uh, what well, poor result, 3-0 in the derby. Kilmarnock on 20, Motherwell on 19, Dundee United on 19, Ross County on 16. We're taking your calls, 0808 17 17 700, and we're on the socials as well after the big game yesterday. Pretty engrossing game, Andy. Maybe not a classic, but you heard uh, both managers saying that was, a, that was a good game to watch yeah not a classic but it's always compelling especially when you get a bit of controversy you get an early goal you get a, a team making a comeback who are under a bit of pressure there's you know the, the title race and uh, it looked as though for a long time it was going to go down to six points but it's a huge difference at, at uh, remaining at nine there's only two uh, old firm games left and I, I just think it's a tall order for Rangers to win pretty much most of them and for Celtic to, to lose, what, four games, is it? I, I can't see that happening. Let's see what the managers are saying. Michael Beale says his team are improving. Certainly more answers, and I've just given them a few things in there that we need to do moving forward. We've certainly got more players in our squad that will come back and help the starting team. We'll, we'll get fitter and stronger as we go. I think... Uh, the big thing for us is we've only been back together for a few weeks and we're already at a level where we can compete even with uh, with the team that we need to compete with. Now we need to show consistency in all the other games. We're no further away than what we were four or five weeks ago. We'd like to be two points closer, but there's 18 games to go and we just need to keep improving here. Mark, what's success then for Rangers? Obviously, if they could mm. get the nine points back, it's probably not going to happen. 
the cups, I reckon. Yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I think, you know, for Michael Beale, um, he'll want to go in and win a piece of silver. Mm. I think there's kind of, you know, parallels in many ways with um, with uh, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. He got them a European final and won the Scottish Cup with them. Um, he beat Celtic on the way to winning the Scottish Cup. So he could show that he could beat Celtic, sandwiched them with all those big European games. So for Michael Beale, what he's got to go and do is, what well, ideally, of course, is to win the league. I don't think that's realistic now. So what he wants to do is come the end of the season that he's cut the gap to less than the nine points when it was when they took over. So you get it down to five or six. He beat Celtic in one of the remaining games. And you've got a League Cup semi-final this month and the Scottish Cup starts St. Johnson away. Win at least one piece of silverware and beat Celtic in one of the league games. And that shows a progress. That shows that you're moving in the right direction. Beyond that, it's about recruitment. It's about getting players out and getting better players in. But regardless of that, Paul, regardless of how good the rebuild is at Rangers and whether they win a cup or not, um, they've got a hell of a task on them overturning Celtic. Celtic are so, or they look so strong on and off the pitch. And, you know, as long as Ange Postecoglou is in place, I don't see that changing anytime soon. If you're a player at Rangers then, Andy, and you were there with Celtic for so many years, some good years, some not so good, mm. what's the psychology for the Rangers players then? They came close yesterday but it was a draw. What do you think Michael Beale will be saying to them? And what's the psychology of the players now for the rest of the season? I think they'll be quite pleased with the way they played and a bit disappointed they didn't hold on to the 2-1. I think the, the big thing in the background is the amount of players who are out of contract. Who's going to be a part of Michael Beale's squad uh, come the, the, the summer transfer window? Uh, we're, we're talking already about the January transfer window. Everyone knows... It's not really the main one, but Rangers want to do business. They want to give the the place a bit of a lift. I, I think the general consensus, we heard it here uh, a lot, Paul, was just the, the general standard of football you got at Ibrox. Maybe under Giovanni Van Bronckhurst, it wasn't great. So um, I, I think Michael Beale will want to improve that. And there was certainly a lot of drama in his first game, the 3-2 game against Hibs, where uh, they had Lundstrom and Sands as a centre-half partnership. So now that they've got Goldson and Davis back. They've got Tavernier and Barisic. They've got a lot of experience in that back four. You've got Alan McGregor, who's still uh, a quality goalkeeper. So it's it's a decent foundation. But I think the makeup of the Rangers squad is going to change quite dramatically over the next six months. It'll have to, Mark, won't it? Yeah, yeah. it'll have to. Yeah. And I know that January is a difficult month. I get that. But it's not an impossible month, Paul. You only need to look yeah. at Celtic this time last year Hitati O'Reilly whoever else it was they brought in guys that played a significant part in them overtaking Rangers and winning the league so it's not impossible Celtic brought in Alistair Johnson looks a right good right back they brought in the player of the year in Japan who's due to join up in the next couple of days so I think sometimes for football clubs uh, there's a wee bit of a ready made excuse about the month of January so yeah it's difficult but it's not impossible if you're really good at your job you'll go and get some good business done Let's hear a bit more from Ange Postacoglu. It's just human beings, mate. You know, we, we, they're not robots. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's a big occasion, big game. And I just thought we, we tightened up in areas where, you know, our football's a lot more free-flowing and, you know, we didn't do that today. You're not robots, Andy, footballers? Yeah, it's very yeah. true. Uh, I, I thought Celtic were huge favourites given the way that they played at Easter Road against Hibs, a difficult away venue where they hadn't uh, really had a lot of success over the years. And I thought their level of performance was really high. And um, 
Yeah, I think you've got to commend Rangers for their, their fighting spirit. You know, you never you never rule out, you never take for granted a victory, especially in that game. But um, it was great to see Roy Aiken yesterday. Uh, how is he? Say, yeah. uh, I haven't seen him for a hundred years, it seems. Yeah. And <laughs> it was great to see that big stupid smile on his yeah. face. We had a bit of a laugh. But then, of course, we uh, we spoke so uh, fondly of, uh, well, a great teammate of his. He was never a teammate of mine, Frank McGarvey, but... I met him more than enough times to know uh, how important he was as a Celtic and uh, St Man mm. player. And having spoken to one or two of the, the family members recently, um, it just seemed so horribly quick. The, yeah. you know, the his passing after the diagnosis of what was awful disease. And of course, he was there in October, and he was out in front of the Celtic fans. And uh, he that, spoke really. Well. I was at that game, and he spoke yeah. really well. Um, and uh, any time I met Frank, he was great company, great humour. Uh, any time I played uh, against him, when he would, I mean, '84, I started at Motherwell. He, of course, got that astonishing goal in the '85 Cup final. So played against uh, Frank a few times, and I've got to say, he's one of my. Favourite Celts. That early 80s team where he was playing with George McCluskey, Charlie Nicholas, Roy Aitken, Tommy Burns, David Proven. Their names that just sort of uh, roll off the tongue and uh, just a fabulous player for Celtic. They did a lovely tribute to him at the end of sports scene last night. Yeah. Don't often see the end of that programme, but, yeah. uh, you know, just by the end. No, but it's a, no, sorry. But actually, they did it really well. It was a lovely yeah. tribute. And you heard Frank speaking yeah. and thinking about it. And he said the last thing that, you know, to score... Uh, the winning goal in the cup final, my last touch of the ball for Celtic. Yeah. In, in the end, he said, I, I'll die a happy man knowing that I scored in the 100th cup final, yeah. the winner. And then to go on and join St Mirren and win the cup with St yeah, Mirren 87. Uh, in 87. You know, yeah. he, he's a legend at, at St Mirren as well for his first period. And then secondly, when I signed for St Mirren in 1990, Frank was assistant manager uh, with Tony Fitzpatrick. Um, and I always remember, I, was, I had a trial, it was against uh, Dundee United at Love Street on a Friday night and Frank, i never forget, came into the... the the boot room before it says relax and enjoy it you'll be alright and I forgot and, and actually played alright and they signed me um, after it and then we became he was my one of the coaches Gordon McQueen and Tony and then uh, we became teammates at um, Shots Juniors John Clark had signed them frankly played there and I signed and, and played a, a handful of games for them until they found me out and freed me um, <laughs> and uh, Frank was a, a really good teammate as well he was well experienced at that point and as, as Andy says great company uh, and yeah he was you know he had funny stories and a great personality but when the time came he was really really serious yeah. in the dressing room as well he would just give out lovely wee pointed messages to, to players and it, and it was so important he also told me at that time Fergie wanted him at Aberdeen when Fergie uh, sorry when Aberdeen uh, under Fergie were Pretty much the, I didn't know the this, best yeah. team in Scotland. Right. Uh, Fergie wanted to sign him, but uh, he, he he went to Celtic and um, just uh, just lovely company. He said, "I hope I'm not insulting any family, but when I think of him, he, he brings a smile Smiley, to my face because yeah. he was just such good company. And if if I ever happened to bump into him, it, it always made your day that wee bit brighter." Absolutely, yeah. Frank McGarvey, just sixty six. And Davy Proven will be really sad as well. Who was there? Davy uh, came over and went to see him with Charlie. Yes. Went up to the hospital, oh. and um, they were very close. And of course, Davy got that extraordinary free kick in that yes. 85 final when Frank got the winner. So um, have a look at sports scene last night. That's brilliant. how it finishes. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. So yeah. uh, those two part of a really uh, well, my the team that yeah. I could rhyme off as 
been going to see Celtic every week at that time. Yeah, remembering Frank McGarvey, we've got lots of messages on the socials here about that Celtic great. 109 goals, I think, in total. Not many people have done it. And John Hartson also, again, he was before John's time, but John paid a lovely uh, tribute to him, he, as did Barry Ferguson. Yesterday. I think he also did yeah. it in a time where... I mean, you're up against Aberdeen's best ever oh, team in their history. Course. Dundee United's best yep. ever team yeah. in their history. Neary, when you think, of, when you yeah, think of Miller, Miller McLeish, Hegarty, yeah. Neary... Yeah. Uh, and that you've not even spoken about Rangers and the amount of, of goals Frank got in, in that game uh, Hibs and Hearts as well so he, he played at a time where the level of competition was really high and and they could kick lumps at you yeah <laughs> and he went he came, right. Mark he, he went back for more yep. time and yeah, time again so brave kicked, yeah. so brave really uh, everything great about Frank really loved seeing him play and he went to Liverpool as we know but that was massive wasn't it I know he didn't settle there he wanted to come home so I didn't know that so he could have gone to Aberdeen but he came to Celtic and then that day of course in 87 so he won the cup in 85 and he won it in 87 as well with St Mirren Frank McGarvey what a man our condolences go to the family so where do we go from there back to the other games yesterday let's look I'm looking at you Andy yeah I think think there's a problem developing at Easter Road right I think Lee Johnson has had a, a time there where I listened to his interview yesterday post-match and I thought, you are really having a go at the board here. And I, so I, What did he say? Sorry for those. I, I saw that he said there's mediocrity in the final third. He said there's yeah. a lot of mediocrity. Well, ge- in, general, in general, there's been a lot okay. of mediocr- uh, mediocrity. He did speak about the mediocrity in the actual game itself, but he did. He was referring to pretty much his tenure and even before his tenure about the bad decision-making yeah that apparently has gone on for years at Easter Road. Now, you could argue about that, but a manager who has gone away from the board's direction, if you like, I don't think it looks good for him. His record just now is awful. Mm. And I just wonder if there's any part of the Hibs owner, the Hibs board, if they were to pull the trigger, would they go and get Jack Ross back? Because that, to me, was a mistake in getting rid of him. He had taken them to a cup final. Now, I don't know Jack that well. I don't know if he would want to go back there. But if Hibs were thinking about making a change, would he be someone that they would consider? Wow. I know Ron Gordon said a couple of managers ago, he admitted, he said we made a He said we probably made a mistake with Jack Ross. by firing Jack that, Ross. That was only 14 months ago. Know, isn't it? It and seems like... Sean Maloney who was doing sports team last night. Well, now, yeah. It sounds to me, going with Andy saying it, and I've listened and I've watched these pressers, and what he's actually said, and this is away from what's happening on the part, it smacks to me of a manager looking for the exit plan. Doesn't, yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, Paul, why do you criticise your employers? He said there's too much deadwood. He said, yeah, had I got them for not tying yeah. Porteous down quick enough, etc., etc. So, so you've so got players, Mark, you've there. got players yeah. now thinking. Do you think he thinks I'm part of this deadwood that's gone through the club? It, it wasn't a good. Uh, uh, description of the squad of players that he's got and he has said most of uh, pretty much every one of them he uh, that he had the final say on them and a lot of the players that are starting the game they're actually Jack Ross's players mm-hmm. so the ones that he's brought in are not making an impact and I know there's a lot of debate in Edinburgh about who actually signs the players but I think you'll find Lee Johnson has said a number of times I have the last word 
What do you think? What do you think of Andy's suggestion that Jack Ross could come back if Lee Johnson goes? And the other thing is, I would put this to you and say, but Lee Johnson, he's not part of the, you know, the the the, the team of people up here. You all know each other, and he's somebody different. Yeah, he dresses a bit differently. He's a bit I, I off mean, I, the I wall. Think, yeah, I think he's we, not part we, of the club. With Lee Johnson, um, you know, if you're going to make those kind of comments about your players and about your squad then I'd only be doing that if I had absolute assurances that the hierarchy were giving me three or four windows to go and gut out players that I feel were not going to be able to take the club forward. I don't think you would get those kind of assurances. And therefore, when you're having a go at the board as well, it doesn't smack to me of somebody that, that, that's got that. So, I don't know, there's a, there's a cup game coming up against Hearts as well. Um, I'd be surprised if, if Lee Johnson was still there at the, at the end of the month. Really? And bringing back yeah. Jack Ross... I don't know. I know he's out of work. He is a good manager. He had a tough time at Dundee United. Didn't he work out? Um, would they want to go back? Would they be big enough to ask him to come back? I don't know I if don't he'd know. want to go back, Mark, yeah. but I think the players liked him. Okay. And um, I don't know, it was just a name that uh, yeah. I thought of. And and we shouldn't uh, forget the awful incident with Xander Clark. Yeah. Hit with a missile. Mm-hmm. How often do you see missiles being rained down on the plane surface, or even, as I witnessed a couple of weeks ago at Petaudry, missiles being swapped with the Aberdeen and Rangers supporters. And it happens. I, I, I could name a good number of grounds where I go out uh, maybe a different way, and you see all these coins, all these lighters, and they're at the corner flags, they're at the side of the pitch. What do we actually do about that? What, what is said about it? There's complacency, isn't there? I think there is. There is. Yeah. People are just well, let's go on with it. That's I saw acceptable. It. Yeah, a coin yeah, or something. Absolutely not acceptable. Yeah, at the third goal. Yeah. But Disgusting. On his uh, his performance as a yeah. goalkeeper, I think Xander Clark will emerge as Scotland's number one in March. And unless unless Steve Clark asked David Marshall to come back and help out for a short period, um, and I'm sure if he was asked, I don't think David Marshall would would turn his back in his country, even though he's retired. But if that's not to be the case. Then for me, Xander Clark, um, playing at playing at Hearts, playing at Tynecastle with that pressure, etc. Two excellent saves yesterday. I think you'll see him being Scotland's number one. And on Scotland, Andy, you're a former striker. What about Lauren Shanklin, top scorer, along with Furuhashi, 15 goals, two goals yesterday. Well, if he wants to get back in the squad, he's going the right way about mm-hmm. it. He's scoring a lot of goals. I know he gets a good number of penalties, but I think just his game in general, outside the box, uh, he, he's got some eye-catching moves I think he had the captain's armband that tells you that he is well respected within the squad and from the coaching staff can I ask you a sky a, a sky, a sky question Andy Go you might it. not know the answer um, because Sky's got a couple of games in a couple of weeks time yeah in fact, right this Sunday back to back Sunday exactly I'll get that sheet which it's I've obviously Motherwell left Motherwell v Hibs and Dundee United v Rangers thank you Mark why did we not show Rangers Celtic yesterday and Hearts and Hibs that's a question in from Jazza. Uh, yeah, I wish we could have done. I think it is difficult to... Uh, when you look at the contract and when you look at the number of games <coughs> that we are allowed to go to uh, at every ground, uh, I don't think we can always show the, the games that we want to. But, of course, this is the way the clubs want it. And um, I, I, I think they're happy with the agreement in place. Is that an official one from you and Ali McCoyst and Chris Boyd and uh, the presenters? Yeah, did you have a good day yesterday? Good reception? What's it like when you and Ali meet up? (laughs) Well, it's great to see Ali. I would regard him as a friend. I 
I had spoke to him about the World Cup and just what a fabulous World Cup it was for for everyone. Uh, most of all, him. I thought he was, he was great. I thought he? he was fantastic. Yeah. But um, it's the same uh, when you see Boydie, when you see Faddy, uh, when you see all, all my colleagues at Sky. I think it's a. I mean, they're so keen on promoting Scottish football and. Uh, I think they do a great job. Sadly, a manager has lost his job. I'm going to tell you who, but in Scottish football, someone has gone. A big name. That's next. The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.com. Your local friendly experts for new and used cars. Let's go. Go Radio Football Show. Paul Cooney with Andy Walker, the former Celtic and Scotland striker, and many other clubs as well, Hibs, United, Partick Thistle. Not enough time to go through them all. Sheffield, Sheffield United. Motherwell, Alloa, the, the Wasps. The Wasps, indeed. Mark, you've got news. Uh, Jim McIntyre's gone at Cove Rangers. Yeah, uh, Jim McIntyre has been uh, sacked today. Cove lost 6-1 to Inverness in the, the, if you want to call it, the derby game um, yesterday. But, you know, they're, they're fairly well clear of the relegation um, places at the bottom. I think he's actually... They managed to do a really good job um, at Cove considering they're not full-time um, in that league. So, I'm, yeah, it was a heavy defeat yesterday, but I'm a bit surprised at uh, Jim uh, losing his job. He's a good manager, knows his stuff. Uh, took over from Paul Hartley um, in the summer and Paul got them promoted into the Championship. So, yeah, that's a surprising one for me, Paul. So, you don't have to be Einstein to work out. Is it a return of, for Paul Hartley, do you think? Well, I'd, I'd, I would imagine we'd been the frame. Uh, I don't know yet who the runners and riders are, but Paul's out of work. So I would imagine that that might be one that could happen. Has that come out from the official account? Richard Gordon's the communications director there now, isn't he? Of course, yeah, I think so. Right. So I yeah, for, I forgot about that. Busy yeah. day there for Richard, terrific broadcaster, and good also guy, yeah. Cove. Yeah, yeah, good all-round guy. Andy, we mentioned Hibs just before the break. They were obviously talking Rangers two, Celtic two as well. Aberdeen and Ross County. What are you thinking about the Dons? They, I saw the highlights. They had most of the play, just couldn't get the goal. Yeah, I, I just hope they stick with Jim Goodwin. Uh, I think he's a good guy. I think he's got good ideas. I like the look of his squad, you know. I think that they promised just a little bit more. Uh, he has to get a bit more out of them, but uh, maybe a bit worrying for Ross County because no matter what they do, they cannot buy a goal. And getting a point at Aberdeen would normally be regarded as a, as a good one, but when you see Dundee United winning uh, in Perth, um, I think the, the teams to be concerned about are Kilmarnock, Motherwell, maybe Dundee United and, of course, Ross County and that, uh, all trying to escape those bottom two spots. And Andy, in your time, you mentioned about Frank McGarvey. You know, it was wanted by Alex Ferguson at Aberdeen. Aberdeen mm. are a big club. I'm looking at the yeah. attendance yesterday, 14,356 for Ross County. It's yeah. not too easy to get from Dingwall yeah. uh, they, to there. They, so. they, they want a bit more. Yeah. And, I, and I think uh, it'll be a great game in a couple of weeks at Hamden when Aberdeen take on Rangers because obviously that's the the one chance for Jim Goodwin to to get uh, the supporters really back on side if they were to win a semi-final and go up against either Celtic or Kilmarnock final that would that would be a big boost for them the Dons what are you thinking yeah, I, but, but I watched the sports scene um, last night no more mentions that's enough the, 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 the battered Ross County yeah. I know it was 0-0 and that's the bottom sure. line yeah. but on another day it would have been 4-5-0 yeah. I mean they absolutely battered them there was the one sighted Aberdeen goalkeeper and the highlights therefore you've got to give credit as well to, to Malky Mackay um, you know for, for the, the way that they shaped up uh, defensively but Aberdeen um, looked on it but just couldn't put the ball um, in the net I think that's now five without a win albeit in that five mm -hmm. they've played Celtic and Rangers all, always tough games but yeah I think Jim 
uh, you know, if he really wants to get things going, it will be tough. But you really have to have Rangers in his sights for the for the cup semi final at Hamden. Huge game this weekend: Aberdeen against St Johnson, Celtic against Kilmarnock, Ross County, Livingston, and St Mirren against Hearts. And then on Sunday, Motherwell against Hibs on Sky at one uh, thirty, and then at four, Dundee United Rangers. Where will you be, Andy? I'll be at Tanadici. Where are you? Uh, yep. Just to, with uh, Ian Match Crocker and yep. seeing that game and seeing how Rangers get on at a difficult venue. What about yesterday, Mark? Your old club, St Mirren, nil-nil at Kilmarnock. We mentioned earlier on, Erehon, was he a bit unlucky to be sent off? If you didn't see it, Erehon's, what, six yeah. foot two? And then... Uh, uh, Rory uh, McKenzie. McKenzie. Uh, I thought it was a red all day long. Uh, yeah. I thought it, well, I don't think he left the referee uh, with any option, Paul. It was a, a clear line of sight for the referee, six yards away. Um, from it so yeah I think the referee called that one right but credit to St Mirren they dug in for 83 minutes or, or longer uh, and kept going um, so I mean I think under circumstances they'd be very happy with a point away from home considering Kilmarnock have been going well and uh, Derek McKinnon is understandably frustrated at, at, at not uh, taking advantage of the uh, of the extra man and Christian Dodge came so close oh, for the header Trevor Carson yeah. Fantastic save Basically. from Trevor Carson. Yeah. You Early saw Andy. Yep. saw that. That was a great leap. Yeah. What a ball mm. that was played in. And you, you Ronaldo had style. I, I see Ronaldo struggling for a salary. <laughs> I know, yeah. 175 million for a, a year's work in Saudi. Do you know, I thought that was the figure. I thought, About no, I'm, three, I'm havering. Three and a half a week, something like that. Unbelievable. Aye, million, no grant. <laughs> and he's happy. Un exactly, but oh. is he happy? Uh, Andy, for Kelly then, they'll be Derek would be disappointed not to take the three points. I've always said that I thought Kilmarnock would have had enough to be away from those bottom two spots. Uh, they've been on a decent run of form. Uh, that is, I think, the chance of two points you've thrown away there when you're playing against uh, 10 men for pretty much 90 minutes. You would expect Kilmarnock to, to win it, but... Still all to play for down the bottom. It's going to be really tight. I don't think anyone's going to be cast the drift soon. Of course, Kelly have got Celtic um, at Parkhead on Saturday. What about Livy against Motherwell? Andy, your old club, Motherwell there. Uh, what do you think? Van Veen equalising in 42 minutes yeah. uh, after the, the boys' goal. I'm not enjoying Motherwell slipping down the table. No. I, I think they might. I really hope they can... Uh, keep uh, Van Veen fit, keep him healthy, because his goals might make all the difference. Without Nine him, goals. you know, you wonder where they would be, and I would hate to see Motherwell get involved in a, any of the bottom two spots. As you know, they're 10th on 19 points, same mm. as Dundee United and Ross County uh, at the bottom. Sorry, then 16, 19 points, yeah, for Motherwell and Dundee United. What about the penalty? The penalties? Oh, Nicky <laughs> yeah, um, Devlin. Yeah, Liam, yeah. Liam Kelly. The first one, and he saves the 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 second one. So can I yeah. ask you a question? Yes. So if you didn't see it, Nicky Devlin scores not immediately the penalty. The ball comes off, but it then goes in, mm -hmm. and the referee says, "No, it has to be retaken because they look they look at VAR." But he said it has to be retaken because Liam Kelly came off his line, but but Livy had scored. Yeah, but then somebody else said that they were penalised because they think there was a slight touch of handball from. Nicky Devlin as the ball goes into the net. Right. So they've gone back to the original offence. So rather than penalise Nicky Devlin for the handball, they've given him a retake uh, because they felt that Liam uh, Kelly came off. Now, I might be wrong, but I think, I think that's the explanation right. behind uh, it. You, you might be right, yeah. but I think I'm with Paul. The yeah. ball ends up in the back of the net, and yeah. I think you just get the. the well, I couldn't see a handball. I couldn't yeah. really watch the replays. I couldn't, but supposedely I, Vars. I didn't understand Easter Road. Uh, I didn't understand Tynecastle either. No. Tell us what, what happened. Are. Well, the uh, hearts on the attack. The ball comes in. It hits Bashiri's hand, yeah. uh, and then within 
one or two seconds, it ends up in the back of the net. And then the, I think the signal from Kevin Clancy was, mm. it's a goal, but maybe it was a signal, uh, it's a foul. I yeah. think they looked at offside. I didn't see any line, so I don't know uh, whether they thought, right, we'll dismiss the idea of offside. But then we'll give a penalty because it hit Bashiri's yeah. hand. I mean, it went Seven on. minutes later, we'll give a penalty. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I thought it was a really poor use of VAR at Tynecastle yesterday. Do you remember we said there's a danger that when you have so many officials working in the game, they want to justify their, their wages? They're not bad people, but they're just trying to justify and they're getting too involved in it. It's taken far too long. <laughs> you know the one that Brighton Arsenal at the weekend was, yeah. was it Saturday night or Sunday night? Brighton Arsenal. Yeah. And Brighton have scored a goal, I think, to make it 4 3. And he, I mean, it is one of the ones. He's a toenail <laughs> offside yeah. about three moves before in the build up to the goal and the goals taken away from him you think okay I know Vazzy and, and you know when it's offside it is factual but yeah. my goodness it's, it's, it's going too far cut, you cut your toenails yeah. come on ridiculous <laughs> Livy and Motherwell won one so Andy's worried uh, about Motherwell Livy not in a great run either but, um, but Paul see apart from Celtic and Rangers yeah. and maybe Hearts they'll all go in runs of 6, 7, 8 games without a win it happens mm-hmm. Kilmarnock Motherwell Livingston St Mirren you'll see it they all go in runs season after season and it's just getting yourself, just try to dig in there, you know, you try and pick up a couple of draw. That's Aberdeen, five without a one. I think Livy, five without a one. Motherwell, I think the calendar year in 2022 has been horrible. Maybe only six oh. or seven league wins yeah. in the whole of 2022. So they need to get a bit of momentum going and get out of it. And Andy's right, you know, they need they rely so heavily on Van Veen. He's been he's been really quality for them. Um and then you've got Ross County as well. And I feel for Malky, because I've seen a couple of times with his players. They've been through one-on-ones to, to to get a goal, and, and they've missed great chances right in front of goal, and then they, you know they they concede up the other end. So they all go in these runs, and it's just a case of trying to get yourself out of it as quickly as possible. And the final game, Dundee United winning the Tayside Derby, Tony Watt scoring in 81 minutes, his fourth goal of the season, United's first away win of the season. It wasn't a classic, was it? I no, heard Callum Davidson saying that. Yeah, back-to-back wins for Dundee yep. United, really important for Liam Fox. Good finish by. By Tony Watt mm. back to goal and he swivelled 17, um, 18 yards. So um, yeah, that that was good for them. And as Andy says, I think you know you're going to have um, six or seven teams uh, moving forward. Certainly for the next seven or eight games, you you throw a blanket over them. What do you think, Dundee United? It's been a great late December, early January for them. Yeah, I think Liam Fox has done really well since uh, taking over from uh, Jack Ross. And I think when you see their very recent run of form, I think it gives them hope that they can, you know, draw Motherwell in, maybe draw Kilmarnock in. And who knows, if Hibs don't improve their form, they could get dragged into a horrible scenario. It's a wee bit unthinkable for Hibs and the amount of money that they're they're spending uh, on some players the wages that they're paying to some players, it would be amazing to think they could get sucked into, uh, you know, near the bottom of the table. And then the championship, before we go back to the big two, uh, Dundee, two, are both four. Now, that was a surprise, Mark, wasn't it? Because they're both were languishing near the bottom. And Dundee, one of the favourites for promotion. Yeah, I didn't see that one coming at all, uh, Paul. That was a Dundee, a the man surprise. sent off after half an hour. Who was it? It was uh, Williamson, Ben Williamson sent ben off Williamson after half off. an hour. So, and credit to Abroath, they want to make a fist of it down yeah. at the bottom. Dick Campbell and his, his part-timers in that division. And, um, you know, one thing about them, you never ruled them out, but that's a sore one for Gary Boyer. They were top of the table mm. 
at the and get into yesterday and, and I've now lost that spot to Queen's Park. The Derby up there, of course. There was nearly six thousand there. Hamilton worried about Ackies. Hamilton nil, Wraith Rovers one, Gullen scoring. And it's not looking good, is it? They're adrift at the bottom. They're six uh, yeah. behind our broth who are in second bottom. So two wins after 19 games doesn't look good for the Aki's. No, 11 points, as you say. Six points behind our broth on 17. Coven 21, and as Mark revealed, Jim McIntyre was sacked this evening. Uh, Inverness, Cali Thistle, look, they've gone down the, the table there on 26 points. Rovers have overtaken them there on 27. Partick on 30. And then you've got Morton on 30 as well. A United, who were on top two weeks ago, they're on 32. Dundee on 34. And after the 19 games... It's uh, Queen's Park on 36 points. You never know, Mark. They back must to back be, promotions, yep. that would be remarkable. You, have we seen that coming right all the way up? Not, has that ever happened? Did Cove, Gretna. Did Cove do it? Oh. Gretna, maybe he's a good shot. Gretna, possibly. But I think Queen's Park have got every chance. Yeah. They've got a great structure there. They've got a manager with Premier League experience in England, knows the Scottish game really well, knows his players. Uh, I know that Dundee will, will push them hard. Air United, I think, have been a breath of fresh air under Lee Bullen. Um, so, yeah, I, you just wonder if Thistle, Patrick Thistle, can make a, a run again. But I think that Patrick Thistle, not of back-to-back promotions from League One into the Championship, the Championship, maybe under Alan Archibald or... I think you're right. McCott, whatever yep. it was, I think they'd... Well done. Seven, eight years no. ago, I think that happened, I think you're right. Queen's Park goals came from Murray in five minutes and Jarrett in 76. So that's uh, the. Simon Murray is always yeah. good for a goal. Uh, good yeah. for a regular uh, goal. I think he's he's got that ability to. He could easily play in the top flight of Scottish football. 08, 08, 17, 17, 700. Earlier with lots of calls, Rangers fans, Celtic fans coming on. And uh, plenty of opinions about the game yesterday, which finished 2 2. I just saw some of the cuttings, Mark, around the world. People. Thought it was a pretty decent game watching Rangers Celtic. And uh, Rangers looked as though they might get the points, which would have made you know the difference for the neutrals. If there Aye. are any, you'd be saying, Wow, six points in this. Oh, with uh, a title race, Paul, yeah. if um you know, had Rangers won yesterday down to six points with eighteen games to go, I think you could have genuinely said it's uh, it's game on, even though I think Celtic would still have been uh, overwhelming favourites. But they put a wee bit of doubt and they've given Rangers uh, a bit of hope. But I think they came out of it. Um Celtic now without you know, being disrespectful to any of the other 11 teams or without acknowledging how difficult it is to go and win a title. And I'm sitting beside a guy who's won a title, so he'll tell you how difficult it is. You can't take it for granted, even though you're nine points ahead waiting games to go. Still a hell of a lot of work to be done. Um, but I think Celtic sit in a fabulous position for them. And I think it's 95% in the bag. And Andy, you heard Paul, a Rangers fan earlier, saying helicopter Sunday. You know, people thought it was going to be Celtic's title. But it didn't you, happen that way. You can never tell. I, I like any supporter who's optimistic and will, will never give in and always has that little bit of a dream, little bit of a hope that uh, things can turn around. That's what makes football so special. It's why we all love it. Andy, the days of mourning was three days in Brazil and today the late great Pelly was uh, laid to rest and you saw them coming out and they're yeah, thousands of millions. Of definitely my dad's uh, favourite. Um, and I remember seeing... Uh, 74 was my first World Cup that I remember really well. Mm. So I don't remember anything about 70, but I remember a video coming out of the 70 World Cup and watching some of the footage there. You were seeing Pele do things that you'd never seen any player do before. It was He's maybe the first iconic figure, certainly in my lifetime. 
think he was, Mark, first global superstar. And he described it as the beautiful game. And that's what, you know, his legacy. I think, it, you know, if you look at Pele, he's the first one. He set a standard. So he's the one that evolved. Was Maradona better than Pele? Was Messi better than Pele? Was Ronaldo better than Pele? Whoever else you want to throw in, Cruyff, whoever it may be. So he's the one that set a standard when pitches were poor, balls weren't as good, defenders could leather you up and down the pitch um, for 90 minutes. Uh, but again, for me, they've all been sensational in their own different ways in different eras. It's not a matter of fact that Pele was the best. It's yeah. down to opinion, but what he was was a, a wonderful player and a great ambassador for the game in general. The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.com Your local friendly experts for new and used cars. Let's go! We just want to wish all the best to Daryl Curry, the BT Sports presenter, brilliant presenter. And uh, we know he's been off for a wee while and we see today there's some articles online that he's uh, he's been in a bit of a pain for a while. The doctors are treating it. He hopes to be back this coming year. But we've Mark, you've worked with him as well. Andy, you yep. too. He's yeah. a brilliant guy uh, as well as a brilliant presenter. Yeah, great broadcaster, great guy, as you say, great company. And uh, I'm sure he'll come through this. He's... Uh, He's uh, got so much to offer. Mark? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what was them at, at Radio Clyde? What was them at BT Sport? Um, terrific, you know, a great asset to, to BT Sport. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll be back uh, soon. But as Andy said, just first and foremost, which is the most important thing, a really good guy, very caring guy and a very helpful guy. And I wish I think, him all the I best. Yeah, I think he'll take a lot of strength from the, you know, the love and support that is out there for him because uh, I think that always helps. He sent out a Happy New Year mention and he said, I've been dealing with chronic pain condition. It's been brought challenges to me, to my life. And he goes into it there. You'll see it online. I'm working very hard with doctors to find the root cause of the problem, but it's been an extremely tough time for us and my family. I'm fighting with all my strength to try to find a way to recover. And Daryl, I know you too, and you will. He's a fantastic guy. It's a privilege to work with him when he started yeah. out as well. Yep. So he worked... Uh, great guy. Daryl, back soon, hopefully. You'll be back for this weekend, not on the telly, but what you're looking forward to. Well, it's the games this weekend. Aberdeen, St. Johnson, Celtic, Kilmarnock. So they could go 12 points clear because Rangers don't play until Sunday. Andy, is this going to continue? Do you think we'll think, do you think Celtic, will they slip up in the coming games? Well, I think we've seen evidence that the games are difficult. Certainly Michael Beale, I, I think when you win 3-2 against Hibs after being 1-0 down, 2-1 down, uh, when you're 2-1 down against Aberdeen and you eventually win 3-2, Celtic having a tough time at uh, St Mirren losing, but they are by far and away the best two teams in the country and it's very rare for them to slip up at all. So those draws that um, Rangers have had at Easter Road, at home to Livy... Um, you know the 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 loss to St Johnston. These are always really shocking results, and uh, Celtic's level of consistency has been remarkable. Because Ange Postecoglou is right; they're not robots. I mean, they're full of really good players, but everyone every week is always trying to find out a way to get something. Aberdeen under Jim Goodwin were almost there. Yeah. I know it was in some people's eyes anti-football. Uh, Hibs had a go and threw men forward and I thought they played well but eventually lost by four. So um, best team to come up against them in terms of a result has been St Mirren with that you know, aggressive approach and a wee bit of bullying tactics. They did well. 
Let's hear from the Celtic captain, Callum McGregor, who spoke on Sky as they all did afterwards. Started the game really well, obviously got the early goal. You could see the atmosphere in the place. I think, you know, we, we were dominating the game. And then we let them back into the game with, with something slacking. And, you know, when you when you do that against a decent team, then, you know, you're, you're giving them a chance in the game. We don't start the second half well. And, you know, performance levels weren't at our best. But um, to, to come out of here with a point after that, then, you know, we're delighted with that. His 30th game against Rangers, Mark. Callum McGregor, what can you say? Oh, he's, he's a great captain uh, for Celtic. Um, a good leader. You know, somebody that the manager can trust to, to run the dressing room for him. I think he, he leans on guys like Joe Hart for, for help with that as well, which is which is a good thing. Um, but it's been brilliant because he took over one of the most decorated players in Celtic's history in Scott Brown. And a lot of people said, you know, he's a different type. Does he have the mentality? Does he have the the chance where he'll, he'll give a teammate a rollicking if he has to? I don't know how he goes about his business on a day-to-day basis, but over the piece, what you can see is a very assured professional, a very dedicated um, man and um, Ange Postacoglu trusts him with that role 100% for what he gives on and off the puck. Is he going to be looked back on a long time to go yeah. but as a Celtic great? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think he did a, a brave thing going out on loan to Notts County all those years ago when you know you need game time to improve. It's very difficult. We spoke about it the other day, Paul. Very difficult as a young guy to come through at Celtic and and play every week and it's not often you get guys like uh, James Forrest Callum McGregor um, you know the, these people have been at Celtic for so long been so successful and I think they pass on a really good example and a really good message to everyone else also as well he's loyalty Paul Callum McGregor Brendan Rodgers wanted to sign Callum McGregor for Leicester and there were bids made and um, Callum McGregor you know could have one of the toys at the pram, but no, he accepted that you know the, the club wanted to keep him. They weren't willing to sell him. I think it was maybe around about the time they sold Kieran Tierney to to, to Arsenal, um, and he accepted it. Got his head down and went on to produce you know some top class uh, football as well. On the form that he was in last season too, you think back to how good he was last season. He was absolutely brilliant. You know would help with the transformation. The new manager coming in to take Celtic from a team that had lost the title by 20-odd points to, I don't know, whatever it was they won it by um, last season. And he absolutely drove that team on week in, week out. Yeah, it was just a bit of slackness that creeped into the game. We started the game really well and, and we've been playing really well. So we expect when we get comfort then to go on and and, uh, and maximise that. But we didn't, but credit to the lads again. Character, you're 2-1 you're down here with six, seven minutes to go and you get yourself a draw. Which is which is a big result. So you know we'll take it. We know we weren't at our best, but we'll take it, and you know we'll we'll uh, continue. They never give up, do they? Even on days when it looked as though Rangers would see the game out, but there was a confidence about them. Didn't seem to be panicking. Uh, who are the players to look out for with the big two for this year? Given that we're going into twenty twenty three, I'm trying to think. Well, I uh, think it's just an int- you yeah. look immediately at a transfer window and who will Celtic uh, who, who will they lose if you like? Is Jakimakis happy? Does he want no. out? Well, d- uh, I don't does, know. He doesn't does, like it. does Juranovic uh, want out? The Celtic want to sell him. Probably. So that makes a, a big difference because I, I like I like the pair of them. I mm. think their consistency, their level of play. I think every Celtic supporter would 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 say the same. And had you seen Jakimakis start the game at Ibrox? You, you wouldn't have had any Celtic supporter thinking, oh, we're weakened here because his last two games against Rangers have been top class. And he played his part in the equaliser. He did. He got across yeah. the front. He got that extra 
touch that made it break into the path of Kyogo. And again, it was bold management. I know Celtic are chasing the game, but to have Yakimakis and Kyogo on, to have uh, Abada on one side, Jota on the other, it, 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 that's what Celtic can do, chasing a game. They've got they've got a, a really good amount of players uh, to turn to the bench and, and make an impact. And Kyogo until then had one of his quieter games, I think you'd yeah. agree. But is it the genius of the manager? Is it a bit of luck, a bit of both, that he keeps Kyogo on and brings on Giacomacchus? There's maybe a bit of belief in yeah. that this guy can score a goal if we if we get chances. And Celtic didn't get chances, plural. They just got one really good one and he made it count. Mark? Yeah, um, I think that, you know the manager got it right you know he's, we need a goal you know at the moment you know he puts Jackie Marcus on doesn't normally um, do that have the two of them on the pitch at the same time but he thought different circumstances we're going to drive it on I can trust McGregor just to, to, to sit um, and give us that bit and you've got your two wide guys um, going down so uh, yeah with, with Jackie Marcus I think Juranovic will go it makes sense to sell Juranovic he's hot property yeah. now cash in on him Jackie Marcus no unless they sign a striker to replace him I think you keep Jackie Marcus because yeah we, we, we pretty much all think the title's in the bag but there's there's a treble to go for there's a cup semi-final this month and the Scottish Cup starts with uh, a home fixture to, to Morton so if you can't find a replacement um, certainly keep uh, Jack and Max. That's not to say I, I, I know that he wants to go. I don't know that, Paul. But there appears to be something triggered in the background. But I'd be very surprised if Celtic sold Juranovic and Jack Amakis in this window, but certainly cash in on Juranovic. Who to look for this year for Rangers? We're obviously thinking Adam Devine. We've seen him in 2022. Alex Lowry, Mark, do you think we're going to yeah. see more of him now? Well, look, the one thing that I've said, and part of the reason why I think he is the Rangers manager, is because of his, his his abilities to coach and his his ability to improve players. So therefore, if you're spending, it's the same with Celtic. If you're spending millions and millions of pounds on your academy, you want to do it to bring players through. So you want to get hold of Divine, work with them, improve him, him and his staff. You want to do it with Lowry. Lowry should emerge as a big player um, next season. Potentially Leon King as well. And I don't know if there's one or two um, others. He started that process with the likes of Bassey. Giovanni Van Broadcourt took it up a notch with, with Calvin Bassey and turned him into a £20 million player. So that's what they've got to do. So yeah, you're looking for one of the young guys um, to come through. Uh, that apart, it's going to be about the changes it makes, the kind of quality that the club's able to bring in this window and in the summer window. And Andy, any other names there? Or for Celtic, I suppose they've got so many young players in that might bed down, but they'll be they'll be new. The more of the Japanese players who've come in, yeah. Bernabe, for example, the Argentinian. Bernabe, yeah, yeah. I, I think he looks a bit of quality when he gets a bit of game time. And then you look again at the young Scottish player, Stephen Welsh. What does he do? You know, if if Starfelt doesn't play alongside Carter Vickers, maybe Morris Yentz, would he get back into the team? And I think at his age, having Having shown so much uh, promise, potential, and actually been a good player for Celtic, you, you need to play. You need to play every week. So I wonder whether he might find his, his future elsewhere, either on loan or a permanent deal. And Alistair Johnson, for you, a decent start? Because well, a baptism of fire, isn't it? Baptism of fire to go into. I know that uh, Celtic did it with uh, Juranovic. I think his first game was also a game against Rangers. But um, I was surprised to see him in from the start. But... Uh, as I said at the time, I think pretty much every Celtic supporter now looks at Ange Postecoglou's team selection and they think, you've got to trust the manager, he knows what he's doing. This was his summary of the game. Cracking game of football, mate. Let's uh, Before we get into the analysis, uh, yeah, I thought it was a cracking game for everyone. I know, you know all eyes are on this game, uh, not just in Scotland, but everywhere around the world. And uh, I thought both teams uh, were at it today. And, uh, 
you know, really a real proper derby. And um, yeah, it was uh, it was a cracking game. Um, look, we we started the game really well, um, and then we just yeah we just lost control of it because mainly self-inflicted because of our passing. You know, just um, <coughs> we're making sort of mistakes, um, errors in our passing that we don't usually do, and allowed them to get back into it. And you know, they got a bit of momentum, particularly with the crowd behind them. And um, you know, at the beginning of the second half, they they kind of took a foothold for 15, 20 minutes, and then. You know, again, you know, great spirit and resilience shown by the lads. So, you know, very easy on a day at least to sort of resign yourself to a fate. But uh, we haven't done that, you know, all year or last year and uh, we found a way. Andy, given the Carl Starfelt and some deficiencies yesterday, would you look to strengthen the back four? Well, I think they've got an option there in uh, Jens. Mm. I saw him, he's such an imposing figure when you see him in the, the tunnel and uh, along with the other subs, he was doing his, his sort of... Um, bit of training after the game yesterday. Uh, he looks as though he's got something, but right now, I think the, the trust is in that partnership of Carter Vickers, who's undoubtedly the leader of uh, that Celtic defence, and anyone alongside him has, has got a good chance of keeping a clean sheet. Michael Beale's finest final thoughts on the game? Certainly more answers, and I've just given them a few things in there that we need to do moving forward. We've certainly got more players in our squad that will come back and help the starting team. We'll, we'll get fitter and stronger as we go. I think uh, the big thing for us is we've only been back together for a few weeks and we're already at a level where we can compete even with, uh, with the team that we need to compete with. Now we need to show consistency in all the other games. We're no further away than what we were four or five weeks ago. We'd like to be two points closer, but there's 18 games to go and we just need to keep improving here. And it's Dundee United on Sunday, Mark. Big weekend coming up for yeah. both the big two. Oh, they're all yeah. big weekends, yeah. Paul. It's great that the football's uh, back. We're into the second half of the season. We're beyond the halfway point. We've got League Cup semi-finals this month. We've got the Scottish Cup um, starting. So much to play for up and down the division. It's absolutely brilliant. And Mikey Johnson could be back at Celtic because the loan, uh, there's no deal for him to go permanently. But that's uh, at the end of the season. And uh, bad news today that Craig Halkett's out until the end of the season. Yeah, I like, ACL. I like Craig. Uh, I've spoken to him a number of times. I like the way he's settled in at Hearts. I like the way he's, he's improved that team. And this has been a really horrible season for him with a couple of, couple of bad injuries. So I'm really hoping he can make a big, uh, quick recovery and, and get back playing to Hearts and, who knows, playing for Scotland again. Who was your man of the match yesterday, Andy? Was I it? thought Carter Vickers was good for Celtic. I thought for Rangers, I thought Lundstrom was bringing them back into the game. I thought Sakala, while he was wasteful with a couple of um, you know attempts at goal, uh, I thought his pace was, was troubling Celtic. So um, it, it just wasn't the... I was expecting a bit more quality from both sides and there was just so many misplaced passes but in that atmosphere, in that noise, everything is just so frantic and it's you can't take your eyes off it. Mark, will you be back later in the week? Friday if you'll have Friday, Paul, We yeah, will no, indeed with Barry Friday. Andy back next week with us. Next yeah. week sometime, don't know when. Please do. Well, stay tuned. Everyone <laughs> will. That's right. The family will be tuned in. Don't worry. Thanks to everyone who's been on tonight. Tomorrow night here is Peter Grant and Barry Ferguson. Thanks so much. Some it's great Paul. music coming up next. We're back tomorrow at five. The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.com. Your local friendly experts for new and used cars. Let's go. go. 
There's a new name for Toyota in Lanarkshire. From one of the UK's biggest names in motor retail. Macklin Motors Toyota is now open in Hamilton. We're bringing you everything Toyota backed by first-class service. So come and view the stunning new Toyota range, all with up to 10 years warranty. Including the Igo Cross and the new Yaris Cross compact SUV. See our great choice of approved used Toyotas. Our formidable range of commercial vehicles, including the Hilux. Get expert servicing from our manufacturer-trained technicians. And specialist advice from our Motability team. Macklin Motors Toyota is open now at Whistlebury Road, Hamilton.